are not ready for prime time. Prime time. Prime time. Prime time. That's the name. Prime time. Prime time. What time is it? Showtime. Prime time. It's XL Prime Time featuring Joe C. Why in the world am I sitting back and being quiet about this? Matt Hayes. Suck it up, Buttercup. Mia O'Brien. My nose just decided to start bleeding. And Leon Searcy. Now you're yeah. just talking Tom Foolery. Yeah. Yeah. How you like me now? We got some Tom Foolery today. There's no doubt about it. We can talk about some of the things that are being offered up as well. Might happen, could happen, should, would, all that stuff that we will get into today. Uh, but we uh, we put our eyes on Big Surce. Happy Good to see back. him back on a Wednesday, ready to rock and roll. Out of the darkness. Yeah. Into the light. Aaron Rodgers emerges from darkness today, and so did Leon Cersei. And he brought donuts. I did. A tough tangle I weaved over the weekend. He, uh, he, uh, I went and knocked on the door, and and he, like, the door opened, and it was complete darkness. Yes. And then he just wiped some of the, you know, whatever, the cobwebs out of his eyes and and stepped forward back into the light. Yeah. Uh, A cathartic. Like Lazarus. Uh, a a cathartic few days for you? <laughs> I could hear Simon and Garfunkel singing, yeah. Hello, darkness, my old Yes, that was yeah. me, bro. Yeah. So, I was in the dark place over the weekend. <laughs> Never want to go back there. Yeah. Again. And so is that just like just like diagnosis, just simple flu? Just yeah, the, the man, worst, just severe flu. And I, I figure it like this. And listen, you know, Leon's a man of the people, right? Mm-hmm. I'm always a man of the people. So I'm, I'm always interacting with people, whether it be Jaguar fans, whether I'm on a uh, cigar venture, mm-hmm. you know, trying to promote my brand. And I'm always shaking hands, I'm always hugging, I'm always taking pictures, I'm smoking, this, this, that, whatever. And someone told me, Leon, in, in between of doing all that, you need to carry your sanitizer or you need to go wash your hands. Yeah. And I don't do that. I just I disengage because, I, I listen, I love being around people. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a people-friendly person. Yeah. But somewhere in between Saturday night and Sunday morning, and I came from a, a cigar event in Titusville, mm-hmm. I came back and I laid in the bed and it was just... I will, you know it. You know when, when you start shaking in the bed, you know something's coming. Yep. And it's That's never good. It's, it's, it's never good. It's a chill. Once the, you get the first oh. chill, you're like, oh, this isn't good. Oh, yeah. I was in misery. Because you was. can't get warm, then you know. You know what's next. And it was worst. so bad because I was I was still, I couldn't, I couldn't lift my head out the bed, right? So I turned the TV up high so I could listen to sports. <laughs> so I was listening to golf, listening to the XFL, had no idea what the hell was going on the TV because yeah, yeah. I couldn't see it. <laughs> but I did listen as much as I could. Well, I'm glad you're better. Yeah, and, I'm and, better. And you came <clears throat> back. Aaron Rodgers is probably never going yeah, back. Yeah, he's still <laughs> in the dark. There's definitely news out of Green Bay as far as that is concerned. But let's just hit a couple of vats if you're just tuning in as nooners because these are both kind of big. Let's start with the hometown team. Hometown team first. That just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, yes, I can report earlier this morning that not only have the Jaguars hired Nick Holes, the now former UNLV offensive coordinator, as their passing game coordinator, succeeding Jim Bob Cooter. Hi, um, Bob. By, by Jim, they literally replaced the Cooter with the Holes. Um, yeah. Uh, hopefully, works. He, he, hopefully he can find the holes in the defense. But, uh, yeah, this is a name that was floated around. There were a couple different names, as I noted yesterday on the program. Jim Bob Cooter had the, you know, the, the classiness, the professionalism to at least give Doug Peterson the heads up last week that he was a finalist in Carolina and, and Indianapolis and to start looking. And so they had a couple names they floated around. 
Kubiak being one of them before mm-hmm. he jetted off to the 49ers to go hang out with Shannon. Son, yeah, son of Gary, yep. a, a very good, I would think, offensive mind. They were looking at him initially. Um, he went a different way, and so that's how they landed on Nick Holes, who a uh, longtime friend of one press Taylor as well as his brother, the coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, exactly. Zach Taylor. Yeah. And, uh, and so, which I didn't even realize that connection because Nick Holes didn't play college ball with either of them, um, nor have their paths really crossed. But it turns out, and this is a great segue to our next that, mm-hmm. and I know JJ's going to smile when I say this, uh, Nick Holes is also a collective guy, not unlike Press Taylor and not unlike one Denny Thompson. Uh, it, it's it's funny when you think about it that you've got a guy that, as you said, uh, you know, we have a Caldwell here and a Nick here, and it's not Nick Foles and it's not Dave Caldwell. It's Mike, and now it's Nick Holes with an H, and we'll see where he goes. And they still are trying to tune things up. But from the college game to the pro game, this isn't the only one that has happened. Another one. That just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So this is kind of twofold because the news comes out, Matt, that Patrick Tony is leaving the University of Florida, Billy Napier's staff as a, quote, co-defensive coordinator and was the guy that was, you know, calling plays on the defensive side. He's on his way out the door. He's joining the Arizona Cardinals. Some call it that. Some call it the Phoenix Cardinals. But he is on his way from the college game to the National Football League. And then another one, lo and behold, is out the door as well. Tight ends coach also heading uh, to – to Arizona, we're going to touch on both of those, but now they're going to add Austin Armstrong as their defensive coordinator, replacing Tony. Twenty-nine-year-old Austin Armstrong was DC at Southern Miss last three years. Um, they were fourth in the nation in sacks last year. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a gamble, man. He had just accepted a position with the with Alabama as linebackers coach. Um, it's a gamble, but it's also, and I'm writing this today, mm-hmm. Saturday down south. It's a situation of he's doing it his way, man. Billy Napier's doing it his way, and if he's going down with the ship. He's going to say, I'm doing it my way. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where they are right now. He, instead of going out and hiring a legit, experienced SEC defensive coordinator, a guy that's been in the league, a guy that can recruit in the league, he goes and hires a young guy who has had a, you know three, three pretty good years at Southern Miss. Southern Miss was terrible on defense. Three pretty good years they got in, there. in one month of saying, yeah, Tuscaloosa I mean, just, is my home. Yeah. I mean, it's look, he's doing it his way, okay, from Graham Mertz who I don't think anyone in all of college football understands that one, from Graham Mertz to, uh, you know, basically struggling mightily in the portal to now this. And he's, I mean, he's literally right now a little bit under fire. Not just because of, okay, they won six games. It's, it's the idea of what's your direction? Where are you headed right now? You know you're desperate for a quarterback, and the response is Graham Mertz. That is a giant red flag. And I, I, I know there are Gator fans running around saying it's only one year, and I agree with you. It is only one year. And he ha- he should get two or three years, and he will get two or three years, maybe more. They're not going to pay him $30 million to walk away. But to me, you need a quarterback. You are desperate for a quarterback in a quarterback-driven league, and you go and sign Graham Mertz. Oh, yeah. To yeah, me, I'm, that I'm, is a, yeah, just a giant warm. red yeah, flag. Yeah, look warm on that. But and then this. And now yeah. there's a 29-year-old DC. May work, may not. Yeah, he Wait, was, but, but you certainly did not go get a guy with SEC experience a guy that knows well, the league, a guy that can recruit the league, you go out and, and hire a 29-year-old. Well, Which you know, Matt can also uh, phrase it the way, sorry, Leon, phrase it the way that we need to discuss 
Mr. Armstrong. Not that he was the ca- the Alabama linebackers coach. Right. It looks a little bit better when you say that former Alabama linebackers coach Austin Armstrong got it on his to, resume now, as opposed to South month. Carolina. I mean, as, as opposed to Southern Miss, DC, Austin Armstrong. Yeah. Well, you know what about uh, we were just talking about this off the air? Charlie Strong resigned from Miami. I mean. Wouldn't he have been a natural fit for Florida as far as someone they're familiar with, someone they can recruit, Charlie's SEC? A great recruiter. Is he a little long in the tooth? Is he a little outdated? Uh, I, I mean, guarantee you he's not going to be any worse as far as actual X's and O's yeah. than Patrick Tony was or Todd Grantham was. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee that. Well, this guy was a, a GA at, at Louisiana when Billy got there. And so there's a relationship. They're familiar with one another. He stayed on when Billy was the guy. And he's coaching up that Southern Miss defense. And, and here's the nickname, because I, I think I may readopt this. Uh, remember the Honey Badger back in the day. Oh, that's just nasty. He just takes what he wants. That's just nasty. They were nicknamed the Nasty Bunch. And so if, they can, if he can come in and do something in Gainesville and, and start to just play nasty on that side of the ball, oh, that's just nasty. I'm going to be all over that. Uh, if that happens. Now, who's to say whether he'll be able to do that because you are trying to get someone that's going to come into the league and and be able to handle the league, which can be tough. But at the very least, as, you know, I'll just repeat what you just said, Matt, is that he's doing it his own way. Now, the other part he's, of it – He is 100% doing it his yeah, way. The other part of it is he loses uh, Piegler, another one of his coaches – uh, and this is just kind of strange. William Piegler uh, is going to join Jonathan Gannon's staff uh, in the desert. Uh, on three was the first to put this out. Uh, and here's another guy. Uh, he was a grad assistant at Clemson, then went through a couple of other stops, ma- uh, came through, and ultimately was part of Billy Napier's staff. When was he a grad assistant at Clemson? What uh, year we're going what back now. At? Yeah, that's probably when. When Billy was the OC there, would be my guess. Well, 2010, 29? Yeah, 29. Yep, there you go. Uh, and so there's definitely that pass that they have together. Uh, but he was a, you know, at, at least regarded as one of the better coaches. And we'll find out whether or not he's going to be able to uh, you know, do, do something in Arizona. It's interesting that Gannon's getting his first shot and he's hiring two cats out of the uh, college ranks to come into uh, Arizona. Well, it's also interesting, because we'll bring this back to the collective, that there are some outlets suggesting that Shane Steichen, in his first time as a head coach in Indianapolis, may go for broke alongside Jim Irsay mm-hmm. and trade all the way up to number one from number four in the mm-hmm. NFL draft and select Anthony Richardson. That is what Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports has suggested this morning. And uh, we do have the sound, folks. It is a ve- which might be, by the way, more ridiculous than Grand Mercer, Florida. This yeah. is a very <laughs> real sports radio segment that just aired on our good friends over at CBS Radio on the Zach Gelb show. Uh, JJ's going to cue it up for us here in a second. But yes, uh, you know Anthony Richardson, a product of the collective uh, as well. Uh, of course, courtesy of our our good friend Denny Thompson, who is you know his Six Points Company is part of the collective. Well, but what is more of a gamble, was, I guess, Leon, trading up well, for Anthony Richardson at one? Or hiring a bunch of guys who've never played in the NFL to be on your staff. Well, I mean, uh, Anthony Richardson, the one. I mean, I mean, I know you say how ridiculous it for Anthony, for Anthony Richardson to go number one, but remember, the, I'm but remember because 40, I have eyes and I oh, watch wait, him play. Listen, but, but remember what the 49ers did to get Trey Lance. Remember how much they gave, of, how much draft capital they had to move up. Is, is there really any not much true disparity between yeah. the two? Yeah. Not much difference. Not much difference. Bro, I watched, Not much difference, I watched bro. fourth and twelve. It can happen. State, okay? I just want to see your mind when, when it happens, the mind's going to blow. Head. I watched it. I, yeah, I watched it too. 
I absolutely watched it too. But I love Danny. I love Danny to death, and I think it would be great for Danny. It'd be great for his company. Yeah. If that happens, I'll be shocked. Just shocked beyond well, belief. Yeah. What it will well, be is that off-season creation with combine eyes that they will fall in love with. And this is Trapasso. I think Richardson is going to emphatically remove the lid from Lucas Oil Stadium at the NFL scouting combine. That will lead to the Colts taking a chance on him, given given the hiring of former Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen as head coach. Uh, Richardson has similarities to Jalen Hurts and uh, All Pro upside. He, I, my guess is he will nothing, test nothing like putting a, a a huge anchor on a first year head or first ever head coach. My guess is he's going to test better than every coach, uh, every quarterback ever, other than probably Vic. Mm-hmm. He will be he will blow them away yeah, at the combine. Yeah, yeah. He and Danny be. actually told me a week and a half ago he's doing everything. Yeah, he's throwing, he's doing cone drills, everything. Right. And if he does throw, that might be the one knock that makes people give pause or step back or whatever. If he if he no, likes. because it, no, he can yeah. throw like that. Like oh, if I know he that, knows he, you're running like a post be... corner, he'll throw it. It's right on. No, I totally. It's just I'm just saying if he is going to have because this is what we said a week ago is that he ain't going to throw. And I'm thinking, well, he might. There's nothing wrong with him throwing because uh, throwing is not the issue, right? But at a pro day, we just we talked about this. At a pro day, he knows what everything is going yeah. to to be done script-wise, and he's got the receivers that are used to receiving the football. You go to the combine, he doesn't have the luxury of those guys that he's thrown to before. He's going to have to do it raw. I actually think that might be a negative for him. But he did, he knows the, he knows the pattern. I'm happy he's doing it. He knows it. the route tree. Yeah. It's not that difficult. Right. He, he, he won't get exposed there. He'll, I, to your point, yeah. he'll look much better at his pro day right. because he will have his own receivers. I hope he does it. I'm happy but, for but him. He's, he will go there, it. and he will blow them away. Yeah. Yeah, blow him away. We've already we've said it a thousand times. He does not need to be at the top of the draft based on what he's done in the game of college football. The only reason he would ever ever even inch up to this discussion is because of the desperation of teams when it comes to that position and the skill set that he has. Let's remind everybody what Leon just said about San Francisco. They gave up stuff to get to Trey Lance, and that was that battle. They thought uh, everyone thought people were people were talking. Hey, they just moved up to get Mac Jones. Remember all the chatter around that? Same well, thing, by the way. That's Both the number three here. pick overall. And the Jaguars, they didn't move up, but they had the number three pick overall. And they draft Blake Bortles because skill set, size-wise, he was the biggest of the bunch with the most upside. Blake versus Johnny Manziel. Derek Carr was in that draft class. He didn't go until second uh, that year, and or in the second round that year. And then... I'm drawing a blank on my dude from uh, Louisville that came out of Miami, oh, Teddy Bo- Bridgewater. Oh, Bridgewater. Yeah, yeah he okay. was the other guy. And so the upside for Blake was he's 6'5", he's 230 pounds, he can run, he can all that stuff. That's why they drafted him. Speaking of Derek Carr, we got a lot of news bombs we're dropping oh in my this, gosh, this first yes. segment. But did you see this one that our boy Pete Prisco of CBS Sports reported? Apparently, Uncle Pete heard – that the Jets told Derek Carr in his meetings this past weekend up in New York that he would be a first ballot Hall of Famer if he came to New York. (laughs) Pete goes, it's officially lying season. There won't be a bigger lie this year. Hall of good, maybe. You know, it's so funny. Let's marry that up with this, Leon. Okay, they're trying to kiss his rear end and tell him how great he's going to be if he comes here. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, all this kind of stuff. You know what they're doing? They're waiting for a, a, the bear to come out of hibernation in Aaron Rodgers and are. make a decision. And can you imagine <clears throat> kissing the rear end of Derek Carr and trying to convince him that you want him and he could be a Hall of Famer when you're hoping that Aaron Rodgers is your first choice? And if he's not, I mean, 
then Derek Carr is going to be your well, Listen, first Derek first Carr's choice. your bridesmaid. Yeah. He's your bridesmaid. Aaron Rodgers your bride. Yeah. All right, you, you're going to tell your bridesmaid whatever you need to tell them right now. But wh- why would it be any different? Because you, you're looking at an organization, you're looking at a franchise who hasn't won a championship in over 50 years, and Aaron Rodgers probably gives them the best opportunity. Derek Carr is going to, what, one playoff game? Yeah, if he's if that he's going yeah. to one playoff game. Yeah, they made it a year ago. And I mean, ended up losing. I mean, you're going to be you're going to be sub. You'll you'll, you'll get to the playoffs. You'll be subpar. You'll be mediocre. Uh, you, you might win eight to nine games a season, but he's not going to help you lead you to a championship. Aaron Rodgers may three or four years from now. You put the right pieces around you. If, if the Jets organization wants to make a move to where they want to be among the elite, I think you you wait for Aaron Rodgers and you just tell Derek Carr. But that's the gamble because it's like musical chairs right now. With all these quarterbacks floating around, you yeah. don't want to mess around and not get any of them. Oh, yeah. You, you, I mean, you may be messing with Derek Carr and hold on and hoping to get in Aaron Rodgers, but this musical chair quarterbacks might start filling up. A guy start pulling chairs away. Next thing you know, you ain't got no chair. You ain't got no quarterback. So you got to make a decision real quick. Yeah. Let, me, let me circle back real quick with AR. He also has a history of injuries. If you're the NFL and you got a guy who's played one season, has a history of injuries, what, how does that not come into play? Yeah, there's, uh, look, how right, how look. does the fact that he struggles to process, he has a history of injuries, how does that not come okay, into play? We gotta, See, I also think this is – now, granted, this is also a guy who has thrown some crazy stuff out before, yeah. Chris Trapasso, okay? Yeah. So he also could just be doing this just to be different. Right. Uh, my guess is, my guess is, AR's probably going to go like in the late twenties. Okay, here, like here's twenty four to twenty eight. We got to remind ourselves one very important thing: the only what? people talking where the draft what? will fall are the people mocking the right. draft. But, it's right. not. It's not the real. It's not, like we're going to talk to Ryan Wilson later on from CBS, and we'll definitely ask him about his colleague with this kind of uh, foolishness. But there aren't any GMs speaking up and saying, well, hey, we see AR at the top of our board. 20, 24 to 28, no one needs a quarterback, bro. Yeah, but that's somebody like uh, saying, uh, you know. Who needs a quarterback at 24? We're at 24. We don't need a quarterback. It also could be somebody trading back in to get another pick. Oh, from the second round. Maybe yeah. trading in the late. Okay, yeah. all right. All right, that's possible. I get that's possible. But, but honestly, the only people talking right now are the ones that are trying to draw headlines, which is what Trapasso just did. He just got the headlines because everyone's saying, holy crap, he just put Anthony Richardson. Right. Before. The word mock doesn't necessarily just yeah. mean simulation. It right. also means to literally mock, yeah. mock, you know, make tomfoolery, if yeah. you may. So let's reset here because we just threw a lot at you guys in this first 20 minutes of XL primetime. So, again, Jaguars, new OC, or excuse me, new passing coordinator, not mm-hmm. new OC, friend of the OC because they derive from the same quarterback, factory, foundational, philosophical Cole. group. Mm-hmm. Colt. The Colt. The quarterback Colt. The quarterback Colt. Um, that also Anthony Richardson is a part of. CBS Sports now projecting Anthony Richardson, according to Chris Trapasso of CBS's of CBS Sports, as the number one overall pick going to the Indianapolis Colts, which would mean Jim Bob Cooter would be coaching Anthony Anthony Richardson for what it's worth, Josie. And then we tie <laughs> all, funny, yeah. we tie that all in with the fact that now the quarterback carousel continues to spin. Aaron Rodgers expected to come out of the darkness at some point, either today or tomorrow. Where does he land? Derek Carr, does he go to the Jets? Heck, do the Jets, because I've seen this in a couple of mock drafts, do they go for Anthony Richardson two years after selecting Zach Wilson? Or do they go for Lamar Jackson? Listen, and, and, and if you're going for broke, look no further than Arizona, where they're literally hiring coaches from a Florida team that went six and seven. No, uh, yeah. yeah, six and seven. Yeah, on, yeah, six on both seven. sides of the ball. Yeah, too. on both sides of the ball. 
that didn't uh, a first year staff in Arizona. Yeah, that didn't. We're score swinging a lot. for the fences on a Tuesday, yeah. on a Wednesday, excuse me. That didn't score a lot and didn't stop a lot. Uh, that's that's basically what they did. Now let me give you one more as we keep it rolling with just the craziness, and we'll get to Lamar coming up. Yeah, second. let me tell you something. It's not going to get any crazy than him going one overall. But go yeah, ahead. Yeah, but just like I said, that is a mock. This is this is real. Okay, at least as far as the opinion <laughs> of what's going to happen with individuals, I'm just going to give uh, our man Ty Dunn credit. Uh, on the Go Long podcast, he had one of his guys on. This is a beat guy, uh, Bob McGinn, uh, Packers NFL reporter. And his quote is, as far as the Green Bay Packers and, and Aaron Rodgers, quote, they are done with Rodgers. He's not coming back. I mean, they're disgusted with him and they're done with him and they're moving on. That is what the reporter said. Now, we have heard outrageous things said before about this relationship between uh, Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. As a matter of fact, Ty Dunn might have even been one of them uh, that, that uh, did that one scathing thing not that long ago about Rodgers and Green Bay. Uh, the McGinn report, is his quote is, discussions with someone who has firsthand knowledge. And so McGinn, the reporter, is, quote, totally convinced Rodgers and the Packers are done. That does open back up the possibility of him going to New York. It opens up the possibility of him going to Vegas and yeah. reuniting with Devontae Adams. All these things are out there. Niners. And, and then we still haven't even gotten – well, the Niners – There's people they, talking Tennessee, too, because yeah. he bought 50 acres yeah. of land in Nashville. Yeah, they and they, they love tying these things together, How but I, I got to go where – I had to just state the facts. Yeah, I, I just got to go where – like, like the, the San Francisco 49ers have a top three pick that they traded for, invested heavily in. And now they yeah, found trade him. They who the hell's going to take him? It's part of the Packers deal. I mean, come on, it's part they of have, the Packers deal. They have man. Jordan Love, and they're supposedly ready well, to ride well, with Jor him. If Jordan Love was ready, they would have made this move a long time well, ago. Well, it's funny do, do you, you say that. Lance is ready. I don't Here, know. Come on. Here's That's another line. My point. I don't yeah. know. Here's yeah. another line. <laughs> Here is another line from one of the Packers sources that mm -hmm. Ty Dunn talked to. He says, "Quote." The fact that Jordan doesn't know the offense as well as Aaron, he can't go that far outside the playbook. Aaron can check to a play that they schemed up two years ago. Aaron and maybe a couple other yeah. players on the offense actually know it, and everybody else is like, wait, wait, what's that? Because they were just installed so long ago. I think love starting will have everybody on the same page because everybody would know the same playbook and not be able to go back from an install from three years ago to try to draw from that. Everybody would be on the same page. There are advantages just, to having Jordan play within the framework of the offense. Yeah, advantages? Yeah. If you want to descri describe three and years, that and he, has, and he doesn't know the playbook. Yeah, three years. That'd be pretty scary. No, no, no. Yeah. He, he knows the playbook. He's he just, just doesn't not, go back. He's not calling as, back from, you know, four years ago. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's trying to put – that's putting – Lipstick on a pig right there, it's just exactly trying to explain this. You know, hey, this guy will, uh, at the very least, keep everybody on the same page because it's the same page with, I don't know, six plays. Right, we'll use 40% <laughs> of our playbook. Yeah, exactly, which would not be good. That's no bueno. And, and you just think of all these things that are going on, then add one more layer, and it's Lamar Jackson. And there's all this chatter about whether or not they can't tag him with a non-exclusive. Someone's going to come in and grab him. And, if, and, they're, and they're wrestling with whether or not they're going to tag him with the exclusive and whether Lamar is going to play for it. He wants all his money guaranteed. And I love what Jeff Darlington of ESPN said. He goes, this is big because if he gets his wish, which is to make sure it's all guaranteed, it will change every quarterback contract, if not a lot of other If he other gets all guaranteed money, contracts. imagine what the guy here is going to get yeah, after next going, year. Exactly. Imagine Burrow, Herbert, Trevor. You could just get in line. You got to blame the Browns. 
I mean, the Browns, they, were the they, ones. they overreacted when it came to Deshaun Watson. They needed a quarterback, and they guaranteed his full contract of $230 million. If I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm looking at something like that. Yeah. I'm saying. I'm the MVP. I'm the MVP, absolutely. I mean more to my team than probably he does to his, and I need the same money. That's the reason why there's some discrepancies. Let's hit one more bit of breaking news before we take our first break. That just Happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Tennessee Titans have informed standout left tackle Taylor Luan that he is being released per Taylor Luan's podcast, Bussin' with the Boys. Yeah, there are a handful of contracts that have been voided up uh, in Nashville, in Philly, in Green Bay. We'll hit a handful of all of those. Thanks to the Golf Club of Southampton, they bring you today's show. And we have got the nine after five coming back in just a few short weeks. Once that clock turns back, then you know that you've got to be on the tee with Joe C. You can check out all that they've got going on. Membership opportunities, just a great golf course. They're always taking care of it, making sure that the practice area is exactly what you want. So head on out, 287-PLAY, make a tee time, and check out the Golf Club of Southampton. We keep it rolling here with Gator news. What are you going to say? I was yes. just going to say real quick, the Titans are going to be – look, the left tackle they had, that was the guy that we were told, remember, shouldn't he be playing NFL football? Mm-hmm. They're going to be desperate for a left tackle. Well, yeah, when he went desperate. down with injury. They need to yeah. resign him. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there's a team here that has two left tackles. Yeah, so you're going to trade – Make, hey, trade I'm Cam. not trading the young guy, I can tell you that right yeah, now. Yeah. I'm so, trading the guy with the contract. That's what I'm trading. Let's, but they're they're lopping off cash. Let's get into that coming up along with all the other things we threw at you. It's XL Primetime. To mention, I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway. This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home what AC. Now this, that's cool on 1010XL. My way. Yes, there were times I'm sure you knew. Sing it, Frank. Does this remind you of anyone? That's in a that's 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 Billy Napier right there in a nutshell. Uh, there were times I'm sure you knew I bit off more than I could chew, but I do love the fact that that Sinatra, his lyrics were as spot on, summing up a career and a life as you could possibly. I, you go back and you think regrets. I've had a few. But then again, too few to mention. I mean, it's just it's just such great stuff from him. I and just hope that Billy Napier does face it all and does stand tall because, oh, baby, hiring a 29-year-old D.C. who most recently was at Southern Miss or, uh, sorry, yes. by way of yeah. uh, a, a, six, a six-week stay in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Lovely this time of year. Uh, I hear that's really where all the snowbirds are flocking. But, no, I think that there is some merit, and Matt said this to us during the break. We have to circle back to this, the fact that Billy Napier – after underwhelming results in his first season in Gainesville, doesn't say, hey, let me go get a veteran proven D.C., a guy on the market, former head coach, somebody Mm -hmm. with experience. He says, I'm going right back to the well and picking another up-and-comer, and and we're going to bank on high ceiling, 
low floor, yeah. high reward. I do love the, the high ceiling, low floor. All right, JJ, let's make it a Twitter poll to the Gator fan. Uh, you know, obviously, we'll have Knowles, dogs, and other ones chime in and have a little fun with it. You can definitely do it and, 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 and reply with some comments, uh, some good stuff. But, uh, you know, as a Gator fan, you know, what are you thinking uh, with Billy Napier's latest hire uh, as the defensive coordinator? You could throw the name out there, Austin Armstrong. Uh, but it, 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 I, I guess I think of one thing, Leon. I think of the fact that, I would rather go with a guy that is a young, up-and-coming, aggressive, smart, looks at new things. I'm not saying this guy is that as opposed to maybe someone who's been around and, and I don't know, may lack the energy. Well, here's the one thing know. I understood about the, the, the coaching business, especially when it came to recruiting and hiring. It's, the, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Because mm-hmm. most of these coaches, they like to build relationships with people that they've known in the past. Listen, I was on the back end of this, all right? I, when I was trying to get hired as an offensive line coach, which once the whole staff was dissembled, and Mario Cristobal was the head coach at FIU. I just knew I was a sure in. Mm-hmm. I played with Mario, you know, brotherhood here, whatever. But no, he he hired a coach that that he was familiar with, that he went to school with as the offensive line coach. Now I had nothing but tons of experience as an offensive lineman, all pro. I had a coach four years already, but he was more comfortable with the guy that he hired, and I had to understand that. That it wasn't about what you know, it's about right. who you know, build a relationship. Even though he loved you. Even though he loved me, but he had to go with the guy that was more familiar with him. So I, I, that, that, that might be in the situation. And I, I know Gator fans are a little concerned about you know hiring a young guy or whatever, and I'm, I'm going to go back and be a little nostalgic here. In 2000, when Larry Coker got the job at Miami, he hired two up-and-coming coaches within the ranks as offensive coordinator and, and, and Chizinski and uh, Randy Shannon as defensive coordinator within the realm. They won a national championship. Now, I'm not saying Florida's going to win the national championship, mm-hmm. but he went interiorly and he hired those guys as an OC and the ZC at the University of Miami. I'm just stating you facts here. You guys literally just gave him the key and said, okay, don't screw it up. Yeah, Coach literally gave him well, the yeah. best, not only the best con- team in the country, the best team in True. 25 years. Yeah. True. He said, don't screw it up. Yeah. Absolutely. But I'm just I'm just. You or facts. I could have been OC or DC on that I'm, team. No, see, it's, that's, uh, it's it didn't last great. long for Coker. That's for it didn't sure. Last no, long. of course not. Uh, but, but, you know, you but that the first year, everything yeah. was hunky-dory because he got literally handed everything. It was so loaded. He almost won back-to-back. Look back at you. You know it, man. That team was so good, man. He should have won back-to-back after that. Be fair to Coker. Crazy call. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but but it's funny that he, he Butch Davis Coker. gave him okay. everything that he could possibly ask for. But I I, I get what you're saying because I, I think, like, is Kevin Steele a, a better hire? Well, the book on Kevin Steele is that he's done with recruiting. He's not going to go That's out. That's not and, true at all, though. Well, not I'm, even just, true I'm at just all. telling you, Matt, this is just what you hear from other people, okay, is that he is not – long for that recruiting game. It's entirely different year to year. That's all he is, dude. Okay. He is a recruiter. Miami kissing. lost a five-star recruit because when the, when Kevin Steele left, he left yeah. with him. Yeah, and so I don't know whether which is more true, which is not as, as true, but if Billy Napier is going to do something and he is going to get run, look how many coaches he look, hired he, to begin look, with. He signed the wrong Austin, okay? Yeah. He signs Austin Armstrong. He should have signed Austin Reed, the kid from yeah. Western Kentucky. Yeah, well, that would have been that would have been smart. But the kid does, from St. Augustine High, by the way. Yeah, but believe me, I told you that. So yeah. I, I totally know that. I mean, he was a star in a Yellow Jackets uniform, and so he was extremely good. Kid desperately wanted to go yeah. there. Yeah, and and yeah, and heck, I think Denny and some others let us know that, and that and nothing was done in terms of trying to get him to go there. I I think everyone out there that listens knows that I have put. Billy Napier on watch, okay? Because I don't like some of the things that he's done. I don't like the product that I see on the field. I don't like the look of the offense. But he has gone out. He's 
recruited a ton of four stars. His average recruiting ranking is where you'd like it to be and where it hasn't been. And so now he's got to get into a You're okay with number 14 in the nation? Well, it's where it hasn't been as far as the overall ranking, as far as the total number of four stars. Uh, You know, Mullen had a couple top 10 classes. How did it work out? All I know is you're not winning the SEC with number 14 ranked classes. Yeah, well, that I get because there's a total of uh, uh, probably out of the top 10, probably six others in the SEC that are in the top 10. Now, you might get in the playoff once every four or five years. Uh, As like an 11 or 12 seed, you're crushed, but you're not not doing what – let's put it this way. You're not doing what Florida fans expect, and they expect it. Oh yeah, with yeah. with number fourteen recruiting but, but class here, in the nation. The, the only the only thing I can say now and with is the transporter class that he got. Yeah, this is where they are. Okay, so I can't sit here and go get rid of him right now because this is where no, they are. and they're not going yeah. to. And so this all I can do is look at it and go, okay, now let's see what you got. You you've had a year, a full year to get in there. You've gone out. You you did recruit a bunch of four stars. We're going to find out whether or not they're going to be good or not. But it really is going to be the Billy Napier watch week to week once the season starts as to whether or not he's got a plan to start it's, winning. It's going to, the problem is this is the problem that's going to happen with him. is It's going to be a referendum on him week after week yeah. after week. And it's just it'll going be to be – it'll be very difficult for the, the university, for the athletic administration to deal with that week after week after week. When they go to Salt Lake and they lose like 27-3 and merch those three picks, this, they're going to go crazy. The Florida fans will literally go crazy about it because then they'll realize what in the world is going on here. Yeah, and so you're already saying it's going to be. Uh, it's. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, uh, I watched him again. It's like Anthony Richardson. I've watched him play. Right. My eyes have seen Graham Mertz play, especially in big games. I know how he plays. Yeah. He was coached by a guy who, not only is considered one of the best quarterback coaches and developers in all of football, not just college, but the NFL as well. When Caleb Williams left Oklahoma. And when he decided, you know, it was going to be, he's, he's more than likely going to go to USC, but he wanted to see what else was out there. He went over to other places, Georgia, because of Georgia, mm-hmm. and Wisconsin, because of Paul Christ, because of what Paul Christ did with Russell Wilson. So it's not like he didn't have a quarterbacks coach there, okay? The guy knows how to coach quarterbacks. Yeah. And he's still, in big games, literally wilted. Paul Chris got a reputation off of one guy. Then no, that's left not there, true. It's not okay? true. Then left there, not went true, to Pittsburgh, man. then not came true. back, and then got fired. Not I mean, true. come on. Not tr- yeah, uh, He averaged nine or ten wins a game there. Yeah, come yeah. on. Which, in got, theory, in the Big Ten West, should yeah. be enough. Yeah. Should be enough. Speaking of the guy that he was like, By the way, hang on real quick. Yeah, Last ten years, they're fifth in, in NCAA in wins, total wins, mm-hmm. Wisconsin. Yeah. Where's Florida in that? Yeah. Listen, I don't know how this becomes this argument. Okay, but this is what he's got to do. He's got to prove that he can win with him. I, I, I didn't make that decision. I didn't tell because, him. Because, oh, by the way, words. Billy is the quarterback's coach. Billy is the OC. Billy's the play caller. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're trying to get someone to argue with you about that, and it ain't me. Okay, it is not a good product right now. Speaking of the guy that Paul Chris was let go in favor of at least taking a look at, mm-hmm. the heralded son himself, Jim Leonard, he will not be the Eagles defensive coordinator, according to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN just moments ago, as he is planning on undergoing hip surgery and he's going to sit out of coaching for a year. But when the Eagles job opened, both sides did discuss interest in the position. Ultimately, the timing was not right for Jim Leonard. It is now 1242 on the Eastern Seaboard. And for the first time on this Wednesday edition of XL Primetime, let us turn to the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. You can get in on the conversation by hitting us up at 
888-900-3010. We've had several texters with Southern Mississippi ties who say it's the right move to hire one Austin Armstrong, a guy that they believe really changed the game at Southern Miss. This one's courtesy of Dre from the 912 who says that he thinks the hiring of former Southern Miss D.C. for Florida is the right thing to do if you want to stop the dogs. JJ, I just want to ask you when it happens if you'll get me some of that uh, honey badger nasty. That, that's not drops. stopping the dogs, please, by the way. Please, if you could just work on that for me, because that's what I'm going to be looking forward to. See whether or not this cat hey, can me, get it done. Let me tell you something. Austin Armstrong, I don't care if he's a fantastic DC. That ain't stopping the dogs, okay? Yeah. There's one thing that's stopping the dogs dudes, better players. Yeah. And right now, that's not happening. Well, yeah, I, I don't think, uh, again, I don't think not too many just people Florida. Can argue. Right, right. Not just Florida. Yeah. That's everywhere Anybody. in the country. Yeah. 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 Anybody, everybody. Uh, this one, 1420, Southern Miss alum here. Armstrong is going to be a star. Good hire for the Gators. He's going to be a star, but the question is, how long is the leash in Gainesville that would allow for him to blossom into a star? Mm-hmm. Again, Austin Armstrong, 29 years old. Yeah. They they just obviously need to up the ante product-wise, and we talk about it. We, heck, we were talking earlier college football yesterday with Barrett Salee. You know, the same questions are being asked of Mario and Billy. Both were at least thought of as not home run hires in the case of Billy, but a home run hire in the case of Mario because what he had done at Oregon, who he was in South Florida. And we all know that that program went through a major fall flat on your face year. Billy Napier, major fall flat on your face year. These two guys have to prove in the state that they can succeed and win. That just Happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. As we pivot back now to the National Football League, the bloodletting continues up in Nashville as the Titans have also released veteran wide receiver Robert Woods, according to Jordan Schultz of The Score. Mm -hmm. Another big cap casualty for Tennessee. Again, February 22nd, the league year does not start until March the 15th, but obviously the Titans are looking ahead to their future and who could be a part of it, which I do want to note, and thank you to 0650 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures for bringing this to our attention. The thought of Aaron Rodgers moving to Nashville solely because he has land outside of the city. He says that Rodgers bought that land years ago. He already addressed the fact that it has nothing to do with the Titans. It is next to a handful of his friends' properties. I wonder, Joe, if those are the friends that had also gone into the darkness before. Well, I also think that it's a piece of property that they don't necessarily send satellite cameras over to find out what they're growing. And so that's probably where the psychedelics psychedelics are being harvested right now. That's probably what's happening. Guys in coveralls. He's turned so much from where he was in college. Guys in coveralls just going out there and just planting. Okay, right now, this is somewhere, like, remember the uh, the family right there he on, was at Berkeley, in the Ozarks? And remember he was, they, yeah. the opium? That's probably what's happening up there. Dude, just I remember talking to him when he was in Cal. He literally was at Berkeley, and he was all into everything. There. Cra- crazy Cal. Crazy yeah. Cal Berkeley. He's 180 degrees different right now. Yeah, he, It's uh, crazy how he's changed. He is right now the well, wait, wait, so wait, d- describe Crazy Cal Berkeley versus the crazy we're seeing now. Crazy Cal Berkeley sounds like you're doing mushrooms in a yeah. dark room. Isn't that what he's yeah. doing right now? Yeah. Well, it's not I think you're that. talking from the liberal it's, sense. I'm talking about, yeah, talking. from the, just yeah. the, but the yeah. sides Liberals of the, love drugs, Yeah, too. just from love a freaky, the, uh, hippie, I hear, I hear Cal Berkeley. Love drugs yeah. a lot more I hear Cal Berkeley. I think of Field of Dreams when, when you know, when Ray and Annie are talking about the 60s and being out in Berkeley. Oh, yeah. That's what I think, and I can see Aaron Rodgers. That's no. not what he was. He was more of like a. He's still kind of like a thinker right now. 
but he's way more out there right now. Whereas well, yeah, before it was more critical thinking. Now it's not critical thinking. Now I, it's I, just, I, I have all these there. nicknames for all these guys and my nickname for Eric, because I love watching Aaron Rodgers play, but he did not have a particularly good year. I think he is losing some of his skill set. But anybody who's watched Mad Men, Don Draper is who Aaron Rodgers is right now because Don Draper just wanted to dip Not his, if there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, exactly. He just wanted to dip his toe in several lakes, okay? He wanted to experience everything. If there was something new, it was exotic, it was whatever. Uh, wait a minute, I can light this and smoke it? All right, okay, I'm going to do it. Well, that was the 60s. That's what – and so Don Draper's one of the greatest characters ever uh, in, in series. And, yeah, he's the, he's the Don Draper of the National Football League. I, right don't see the, I don't see that fitting in in Nashville for what no. it's worth. No. I, I, I don't see that. So, no. so is it, are we in agreement? No, but I think he's there, though. That's what I'm saying. I think he's, he's at the point now where he kind of start he's starting to fit into the South right now. That's kind of what I'm saying. That's where he is now. He's no longer over here on the West Coast. He's now more starting to fit in with the South. He, so he should well, go hang out with Brian Kelly, the Southerner, <laughs> is what you're saying. I think the whole purpose behind the darkness is not to fit in at all. It's to find a sense of to self. To be unique. Huh? To be unique. Oh, you saw that? You saw how, saw how, it, went, saw how it went there? It's <laughs> I don't be think with, the rest of them noticed how genius that actually right, was. Thank you. Thank you, JJ. Give it to me again. <laughs> I, I can't say it again. It just, came, it just came, off, came off tongue. Explain okay. it to me like I'm five. <laughs> JJ, uh, rewind that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh my God! Oh, you boy. you defined what he was doing originally. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did a little research because mm-hmm. I mean we were making making light of everything, so I wanted to understand what the whole purpose behind going in the dark was. Right. And it was something about suppre- su- suppressing your ego. Mm-hmm. All right, and, and somehow the enlightenment. Enlightenment. So, I, I listen. I, I'm only going by what I read. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I just you I were keep... kind of in the dark the last couple of days, actually. I was really in the dark. <laughs> I do have yeah. Leon's quote in the yeah. dark. Yeah. Here it is. I think the whole purpose behind the darkness is not to fit in at all. It's to find a sense of to self. To be unique. That is a, that is deep, Leon. That was deep. That's sense from, of that's self. From, it was so, sense of self. It was so good, deep. I couldn't even remember what I said. <laughs> did that? I forget half of everything I say too. Don't even worry about that. Did that? Uh, did that come to you while you were in the hey, darkness? Hey, I would listen. So, hey, maybe. That did come maybe. to you with that flu. I don't know. That was that was enlightenment. The flu funk got you I there. Did man. It, the it, sense it, of self. But, I love it. Is, is there another guy? Okay, and, I lost and, part of my soul when I was sick. <laughs> is there another guy not named Ricky Henderson? that wants to be loved and adored as much as Aaron Rodgers and talked about and discussed and hypothesized over uh, than Aaron Rodgers right now? I don't oh. know if he does. Oh, my gosh. He's got the uh, – it's unbelievable how, how he wants to have him at the middle of every football discussion. And, and thankful to Pat McAfee to yeah, have that you, forum – to where we can all just listen and look and watch and watch see his toes what else and, he says and yeah. where did he part his hair and where's that ponytail and 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 you know all that stuff and and so he's going to come out of this and he's going to have more deep thoughts and he's going to say how much he learned but he won't tell us what it is and it, it'll go on and on and on. I am really watching what happens up in Green Bay now because I think they kind of hit their eject button. Yeah. And, and we'll see whether it happens. By the way, we want our our sports athletes to not be robots with the media. I love and then it. when they're not, yeah. we make fun yeah, we of them. We ridicule them. Uh, I hate that. Hey, I make fun of them, but I love it. <laughs> okay, good. I have no problem with making fun of it. But and I'm I, like I just said, I embrace the fact that he's on Pat McAfee and he gives us all this fodder. Uh, there are 30 minute shows on television that he will be the the uh, the topic nine times on that show. I just think about Nick Foles at press conferences oh, yeah. and even Trevor to a uh, endure an the struggle, it's just JJ. So yeah. boring. Endure like, the struggle. And it's like, can we please have a 
anti-vaxxer hippie guy for like 10 <laughs> minutes please I, i'm like I, just can I, we enjoy this guy so wait do you want to bring this full circle and you want to go back to the show the jaguars trade for aaron Rodgers? Oh, yeah, I, I actually wasn't here that day yeah but that was a good one that was matt and leon they that was legendary was but, but look i i i love it i that's why i embrace it and talk about it. that's why he is the don draper of the national football league because he is so interesting but i it doesn't mean i can't criticize it True. and ridicule it, you know, because I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, I can't wait for what's next because it's going to be more about I haven't made up my mind yet. That's basically what's coming out of his lips. Right, you know and then how long does he wait? Does he wait till free agency begins? Like, do they wait till the draft? And do yeah. they pull off a blockbuster like that? Especially knowing the reporting that in case you missed the top of the show, folks, uh, what our good friend Ty Dunn mm-hmm. uh, reported from his conversations with people in Green Bay, like if they really are ready to move on to Jordan Love, is this a Jimmy Garoppolo situation where you're hanging on to Aaron Rodgers well into the summer? Maybe. And they might want to make him uh, twist in the wind just a little bit, the way he's made them twist in the wind. And I don't remember which one of the uh, talking heads said it, but someone came out and, of course, slammed because they, they now see uh, a target in Aaron Rodgers they could go after. Maybe I'm, I fit into that category as well. But basically saying if you wanted to get these guys on your football team to be better – You'd be there more often. You'd be available. You'd be a teammate. But but, but, but Green Bay twist having him twisting the wind. I mean, that's almost like sabotaging your season. I mean, doesn't he count so much against the cap? If you let him go now, doesn't it free up room for you to go after? That's some true. Sure. That's true. If you so they, if you that, hang on to him. What's the purpose of hanging on to right. him? Just just to be salty. I right. mean, unless they feel like they can keep him, yeah, unless and, they want him and mend yeah. that bridge. You know, yeah. I, I don't know, but. I, one hundred percent. If they get rid of him. Speaking and, of speaking of cut bait, we got to circle back Taylor to Juan, mm-hmm. and the Titans are desperate for a left tackle, and that this franchise has those left mm-hmm. tackles. So you, you your suggestion before the break was that Cam Robinson, if you're going to move somebody, he would be the one to move, and and because I because of the contract, right? I and have, because of the injuries, yeah. And I I look at it. I first off, whenever I whenever we talk about any of these possibilities, first thing I think of is someone's got to be willing to take right. a contract and the injury history. That's number one. But then if that happens, does it happen inside the division? Well, you say, hell yeah, it happens inside the division because you're offing that contract and you're offing that injury history. And Walker Little, for whichever of these tackles leaves, Juwan, he, goes to, he hits free agency and he's gone, the Jags actually have an answer to that. They haven't had too many answers to guys leaving before. And if Cam Robinson were to be traded, they have an answer to that. That part's good. That's, I, that's huge. I, well, the better his, part is you get his money off the books, yeah, number one. Yeah. Cap, and then you also, prob- you also get a pickback for yeah. it, more than likely, as well. But, you know, you say who will take it. It happens all the time. They got rid of Nick Foles and the money mm-hmm. and got a pick. Yeah, that's that's so, the quarterback, though. Versus, no, I know that. I, yeah. But left tackle is – if quarterback's one, left tackle's two. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. Two or three, right? Yeah, it's definitely important for sure. So, by the way, for what it's worth, the exact numbers, Taylor Lewan was set to be a $14.8 million cap hit, and Robert Woods was set to be a $14.6 million cap hit. The only players who have larger cap numbers now for the Titans, who, again, were already flirting on that line of being way over the cap, Mm -hmm. Ryan Tannehill, a $36.6 million cap hit. Bud Debris, 20.2. Kevin Bayard, 19.6. Harold Landry, 18.8. And then Derrick Henry, 16.3. Yeah, they hit. You know what happened is their window was closing Mm -hmm. and they went all out. Yeah. And then they lost in the first round two years ago as the one seed. Well, think of this also. And then the window just went whoop. Yeah. And for Taylor Lewan, he's averaged 
averaged missing 10 games a year the last three years. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's, 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 you cannot spend that money. Right. That's the classic, what's the best ability? Availability. Availability. And you yeah. cannot have that guy on your books when he's missing 10 games this season. So for what That's it's, basically what he missed. Yeah, for what it's worth, um, this is the tweet that Bussin' with the Boys, Taylor Luan's podcast, mm-hmm. sent. Uh, uh, breaking, the Tennessee Titans are releasing the boy Taylor Luan after nine years in the two-tone blue and being a pivotal piece in turning things around in <laughs> he Tennessee. He wrote his own press release. The great ride has come to an end for the three-time Pro Bowler. <laughs> Troy Rank, who is um, a Denver Broncos reporter out in Denver for Channel 7, he quote tweeted it and said, a proven tackle becomes a free agent. I want to read some of the responses from Broncos fans who evidently are in the market for a right tackle. Mm-hmm. You see where I'm going to circle back mm-hmm. to? When, mm-hmm. when, okay, read, mm-hmm. read the tea leaves here. couple of the replies. Hasn't played a full season since 2017, only played two games last year. Don't want another Juwan James. He may retire. If not, he's worth consideration. Can he play right tackle? I'm sure he'll try and find a contender to play for. It would be shocking if he signed with the Broncos, though. So I say all that to say, as much as Matt is throwing out there the potential of trading Cam Robinson within the division, who's also to say that now how does this affect the market for Jawan Taylor? Yes, I know Taylor Lewan is a left tackle. I don't know if he can play right tackle at this stage in his career. He certainly is going to be looking to play for a contender, I would think, mm-hmm. at his age. But now what does this do for Jawan Taylor, knowing the conversation we had yesterday on this program with regards to the fact that Jawan is by far the youngest available tackle set to be on the open market this March? Yeah, whoever gets him, gets him for a longer, much longer period of time, a healthier guy, all that stuff. I mean, there's plenty of positives that you would list if you were to go get him compared to <clears throat> what that market looks like right now. Yeah, yeah but here's the thing. If you're Jawan Taylor, I mean, yeah, you could go somewhere else and break the bank, but you could stay in Jacksonville where you're comfortable playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, your source, your, your, you can't disregard the fact that his source and his family it lives in Florida. And, and maybe, you know, he could go somewhere, and I'm, sh- I'm sure his agent's going to try to entice him to go somewhere and break the bank. But if you like it here in Jacksonville, I'm not saying just take anything, but I'm saying you don't have to break the bank. But maybe, True. maybe True. you can get paid enough to where it's, you know, applicable between the two of you, and y'all make a deal, mm-hmm. and you say, okay, I'm going to pay for, I'm going to play for 15 million a year. Yeah, as long well, as you give me, as long as you give me money up front, mm-hmm. I'm happy here. My family's here. I like playing for Trevor. I like, I like. What, what, what ever happened to just playing where you like to play? You don't always have to go somewhere and blockbuster right. and break the bank. He might be comfortable with 15, 15 16 and a year. Evan and Ingram Jackson wants to give him that. Evan Ingram may be thinking the same thing. He might because be I'm gonna tell you something. For some of these players, the grass ain't always greener. You go over there and you make a whole bunch of money and you go on a team that sucks. I don't care how much money you make. If you're on a team that's bad and losing, mm-hmm. it, that checkbook, it ain't going to matter. Isn't it nice to be on a team now that is winning and, exactly. and there's an attraction to come here as opposed to get the heck out of here? Mm-hmm. So Taylor Lewan is 31 years old. Here are the other left tackles right. set to hit free agency this offseason. Uh, Orlando Brown, who mm-hmm. is a candidate yep. for the franchise tag, he is going to be 27 by uh, week one of the 2023 season. 32-year-old Eric Fisher, thirty soon-to-be 34-year-old Kelvin Beecham, 41-year-old Jason Peters, and 32-year-old Dakota Dozier. He's going to, yeah. That's Luan's, where, if you're Luan, yeah. I mean, this is actually pretty ideal because assuming Orlando Brown does get tagged, you're the youngest guy available on that left tackle market. And if you really believe you still have some, you know, some years left and some tread on the tires. Still, it's... Well, it, a lot of wear and tear on him. Well, a lot still. of left tackles don't want to have to play right unless they have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they really don't. I mean, I, whatever it is. Like, I, I was a right tackle. I, 
I couldn't fathom myself going over there to play left tackle because I've been I've been cemented right. for so many years playing the right tackle. Left tackles are the same way. If they've been cemented since college or in the professional ranks playing left tackle, mm-hmm. now they might have to switch over to, the, to 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 gain a couple of more still a couple of more years. Right. Well, if they had to, they would rather stay in their natural position, which is left. Yeah, he was gone since week two, so. It- that's why I'm saying moving Walker Little. They say, oh, well, we got a right tackle and Walker Little. Yeah, Walker, but Walker Little's a left tackle. If you're going to make him play right, why don't you just pay the guy who's a right tackle to play right tackle yeah. and keep him at left? Yeah. And then say, then and you then have Walker camp. say, I'm going to win this job. Yeah. And then you, but then you could move Cam. I will tell you, I had multiple people tell me yesterday, don't expect Cam back, not this year, but the following year. Mm-hmm. That, so that, you to, clear to, a lot off the books if right. you get to do that. And so to steal a line from Jeremy Foley. What must be done eventually mm-hmm. should be done immediately. Yeah. Got to get, got to get a dance. Well, you're either, you're either. So, what they're going to do is they're either going to take it. What's their pick in the draft? The Titans nine? Uh, no, the eleven. They're eleven. Okay, so they could get Peter Skronsky, that the kid from mm-hmm. Northwestern. Mm-hmm. He's probably the number one left tackle right now. So they could draft him and put him in there and go. Or you can say, okay, we can't afford to get Tannehill hurt again because we've seen what happens when we get Tannehill hurt. And then they say, okay, we need somebody at left tackle. Or you tank for Caleb Williams, which also remains in the realm of possibility because, again, $36.6 million cap hit for Ryan Tannehill. Is he the future in Tennessee? A lot of questions for several NFL teams, several college teams. We'll circle back to our question of the day brought to you by Beaver Toyota over on 1010XL's Twitter page. It is, indeed, as a Gator fan, for you Gator fans out there, or as a non-Gator fan, what are you thinking about Austin Armstrong, Billy Napier's newest hire as defense coordinator? You can hit us up there. You can hit us, hit us up on the text line at 641-1010. A lot, whole lot more to get to on a Wednesday edition of XL Primetime. This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. Winton gave blood yesterday. Oh, okay. Gave a pint. I don't know whether it's good for my blood or not. If anybody knows, let me know. Because I always like to go. You can go like every two months. They give you a little hookup. A little $20 gift card. Oh. That's not a bad way to go. Did you get a cookie, okay. though? Yeah, I got cookies. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, the whole deal. Yeah, they got to elevate What's, that blood sugar. Do you yeah. like it because it forces your body to produce more blood? Is that that's what you I'm, like I'm curious. I want to know whether it makes it, you like different and unique? And well, I need to get... I need to get the cholesterol down, and so I, I have so this theory. To <laughs> I have this theory that if I just get a lot of that bad blood out of there, that it might help me with my cholesterol. So if anybody knows, you can hit the text line designed by Lifetime. Well, what's your blood type? A plus. A plus. Huh. Yeah. Is that I like real? that. I get an A plus blood rating. It's not a the plus. most. Uh, you know uh, yours? I'm O plus. I, I think it's. I think O's it's, good. I don't know actually. Actually, I'm I did, but I don't. I'm actually a universal donor. Yeah, because O is important. They need as much of that as they can get their hands on. You don't want to be a universal donor. You'll be the first to I'm the go. most common. What's the most uh-huh. common? When the zombie apocalypse breaks out, we're going to need you. Yeah, What's the most me. common, Leon? Do you know? I'm the most common. I know that. Uh, I think it's AB. Yeah. AB is the yeah. most AB. common. Yeah. So the cool That's thing me, about the common it man. is when you, when, when you give the blood, right, of course the needle goes in. That's never good. No. But then they have this new little thing, and they've done it the last couple times that I've been. I hadn't been in a couple months. And they slide this this whatever part of the the tubing right up there, and it pulls the needle out. Like she's not pulling it out. Boom! It comes out just lightning fast. You don't even feel it. Mm. Don't even feel it. So anyway, good experience, and you also get that little uh, extra gift card to go along with it, which I will happily. And take. you feel like you're saving someone. Exactly. Trying to help a little. Except bit. 
sucks for that guy who got your blood. Because <laughs> he's going to have high cholesterol the next time he goes, he goes to the doctor. All right. We've been uh, trying to kind of sort through all just the enormous news day, be it college, be it pro. Uh, and none of this uh, necessarily is, is, is all happened. Uh, some with Taylor Lewan's release and a few other ones. But the other things are just talking about what could happen, what might happen. Uh, and the fact that Anthony Richardson being mocked number one in the draft and Aaron Rodgers coming out of the darkness, he may be done in Green Bay. There's still so much happening out there right now. Yeah, and uh, one that is currently ongoing, and mm-hmm. it's obviously a bit of a more somber news story. We touched on it in the 2 o'clock hour yesterday after his press conference um, in Tuscaloosa is, of course, the ongoing investigation within the Alabama football program and within the city of Tuscaloosa with the capital murder that took place on January 15th, a former player, reported to be involved in that, as well as a friend of several of the basketball players. And then Brandon Miller, the best player on the number two team in the country, the Crimson Tide, the presumptuous SEC newcomer and player of the year, reportedly was the man that brought the gun, the the weapon of choice, to the crime scene. Nate Oates, it was not a good look at all, and maybe even worse. He's the coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide basketball team. And what may be worse is that he originally came out, and Matt, you picked this up, but he originally came out and basically said, you know, that he, he didn't dismiss it. He just said, <laughs> he you came know, close to dismiss he it. came close to it and then had to come out and basically make up for that. And he ended up sounding even worse afterwards. Uh, honestly, I, I don't know what, what, what's going on there. And of course, everyone, you know, with big social media followings are just crushing him. Dave Portnoy and and a handful of others are just going after him hard right now. So this is courtesy of Pat Ford of Sports Illustrated. Um, This is I'm going to read verbatim. This is his op-ed column, Mm -hmm. but also it has a lot of facts. After all, the school did know and never disclosed that Brandon Miller was present at the time of the murder. It did know and never disclosed that there were bullet holes in Miller's windshield from the shootout. It did know and never disclosed that Miller was questioned at length by the police. Alabama knew a lot more than it disclosed, and none of it moved the school to alter Miller's very important playing status with a national championship contender. With Alabama in damage control mode, Nate Oates issued a statement at 7.24 p.m. last night. Quote, I thought it was important for me to clarify the unfortunate remarks I made earlier. This entire time, I've tried to be thoughtful in my words relative to this tragic incident. My statements came across Poorly, we were informed by law enforcement of other student-athletes being in the vicinity, and law enforcement has repeatedly told us that no other student-athletes were suspects. They were witnesses only. Our understanding is that they have all been fully truthful and cooperative. In no way did I intend to downplay the seriousness of this situation or the tragedy of that night. My prayers continue to go out to Jamia Harris's family. Not good. Not not good. When you think about well, all it the seems like the initial out. move was to cover up mm-hmm. because they would have derailed their opportunity to win a championship. That's what it looks like initially they were trying to do. Yeah. Ain't no other way to put it. Ain't no other way to, way to put it is that they tried to they they tried they they tried to protect their student athletes because there there's a team that's in national contention yep. of, of winning a championship. What it appears, what it appears like. I mean, there's no other way to put that. Say that. In his his defense, mm-hmm. they didn't break a law. Right. They were questioned by police. There was lots of student athletes there. There you have it. Right. And what are we gonna is, What are we gonna bench a guy the rest of the season? It's after midnight. Yeah. His oh friend says, my God. His friend says, "No hey man, college athletes hey man, are out you, after midnight." I'm not. It's not. I just. I'm in the total. Hear the total. Okay. Okay. I know what you're gonna say. It's after and midnight. I already have a defense. His friend for calls it. and says, "Hey, I need my gun, man." Not against the my, law. My loaded gun. I know it's not against the law. Okay. I need my loaded gun. I'm at the strip, Tuscaloosa, which is the busiest place in the in the town of Tuscaloosa. Where everything happens, where everything's going on. 
What do you think he needed that for? I don't know. I, I'm. I don't. I know what he needed it for now, obviously. But if I'm his friend, and I'm just being devil's advocate, the kid could have known what he was using it for. He couldn't have. Known. But listen, if one of my buddies says, "Hey, something's he happening. Something's happening at a bar late at night. Maybe he needs to protect himself." I would gladly ha- let my friend have my firearm to protect him. Yeah, so. and, and no cer- questions asked. Yeah, you certainly could go there with, with that part of it, but then when you go beyond that, and then you are the now head that we coach. know what happened, it certainly right. looks terrible. Yeah. I'm just saying. And, and, and we're, we're talking. It's been how long? A month? January fifteenth. Okay, so so right right at you know just a little over a month. But anyway, once you do get more information, which if you're the head coach of 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 that university and you have that high profile player, you want as much information as you possibly can before you make a decision. And I think by and large, when these types of things happen, you have to say, I've got, I don't care what championship we're playing for. I got to sit a guy down until I know exactly what the eventual outcome is. So the other part of this too, and again, I'm I'm going to say this as unbiased. mm -hmm. I'm going to just read the facts. Um, January 15th, the murder occurs. Then that is when Miles, Darius Miles, was essentially dismissed, suspended, whatever you want to call it, from the Alabama basketball team. Nate Oates called former Baltimore Ravens linebacker Ray Lewis for advice on handling an inconvenient, <laughs> violent death. Oh, is this wow. a joke? Uh, who do I know? literally called a murderer. Who do I know that's oh, been involved stop. in a yeah. – Alabama yeah. immediately, two days later, loaded oh, up the bus, God. minus Darius Miles, went to a game at Vanderbilt, then went to Missouri <laughs> – and on with the schedule. This is this this is made up. I hope. This is like an SNL. No, it does. apparently sound... he called Ray Lewis. Is what they're saying. Who got out of a murder charge know. for the exact same reason? Yeah, he so was not charged. A, with acquitted. Murder. Just make sure that that's clear. Also, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. even know if he was charged. No, he, he was no, charged he was, with as an like, accessory. Was, uh, as an accessory, uh, uh, no, he yeah. was not charged. No, with no. Murder. He was not charged as no an accessory. Way. No, he, he was charged with like obstruction of justice. Yeah, obstruction. Thank you. Paid a big fine. Obstruction but it is, of justice. Here is the uh, call. Ah, here is look at you smiling. Right, so, I'm just telling you the truth. <laughs> went back to TuscaloosaNews.com. This is from January 18th. So this is right after Darius Miles is arrested. He's a you. Nate Oates says on pregame radio, which I'm guessing means he said it to Roger Hoover, mm-hmm. uh, our old buddy, yeah, right, former yeah. play-by-play of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, which is interesting. He said, talk to Ray Lewis. His daughter went to Alabama a year and a half ago. He's been through a similar situation in, in Atlanta when he played in the NFL. Just told me what he thought guys needed to hear. Just thought he has been through a tragic situation, one of the more mentally tough athletes in my time. He probably gave him the old Chris Carter speech. Mm-hmm. You need a fall guy. Yeah. Every great athlete needs a fall guy. Yeah. Right. And so it looks like to me, at least reading all the things that we just did, it sure as heck sounds like Darius Miles is the fall guy. Well, he's also the one who instigated everything. Correct. I mean, well, he's like, the murderer. He's the one who he's, asked. He's, 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 well, he's not the guy who the, pulled yeah, the trigger. Yeah, the other kid pulled the trigger, but yeah. Darius Miles instigated, yes. And, and so you do have to ask yourself a question, why is one guy gone and the other guy not? You can't help but ask that question. Well, yeah. because he was just – he was – Check he me from they're both they're both gun. being they're both right. being charged he, with murder. He said he left a gun in a hat or whatever it was with one in the chamber. Right. The other guy literally shot it. N- didn't shoot well, it, but other I, w- was involved with the altercation that led to the shooting. Yeah. He was the one who asked for the firearm. Like But they're both totally being charged with, with 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 murder. Not not Brandon Miller. Yes. Miles Darius and the Miles. other kid are being charged because with murder. Because most states, I know mm-hmm. in Florida, if you're in the act of a felony, while someone is murdered, even if you don't do the murder, if you're doing a felony 
while the murder happens, you also get charged with murder. Mm-hmm. So that's probably yeah, what happened with major. this kid. Yeah, major. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll keep it going. Any uh, info on that? We'll definitely pass it on. You anyway, the problem line. was what it was what is what he said mm-hmm. is what NATO yeah. said. Wrong when NATO place, said wait, wait, wait. wrong time. When NATO was, said wrong place, wrong time. Was this an on-campus spot? So yeah, yes. can you explain yeah, to us the, the strip? Yeah, near can you the explain? The strip is is like the little. It's like a, a, a street. street. It's like mm. University Avenue. Yeah, you cross bars. It's like it's like bars and everything. Yeah, you're, ba- yeah. you're barely off campus. Same thing. Oh, yeah. It's 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 where all, everything happens. Yeah, with all the so. party people party. It's the bars. Oh, it's the that's why my just thinking about the other kid, you know, playing devil's advocate. He could have thought that he was in danger with other dudes. You know, mm-hmm. maybe wanting to jump him or whatever. Right. Like that's not too crazy to think that that, that that's a possibility. No, that is a world that uh, we have either witnessed, heard about, or whatever. Of so, course. Yeah. yeah. All right, we'll keep it rolling. XL Primetime, thanks to the Golf Club of Southampton. 287 play. Go out, enjoy a great round of golf. Beautiful weather. It's out there just waiting for you. This is XL Primetime. Brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. Obviously a very tough topic, sensitive topic to discuss the capital murder in Tuscaloosa and the involvement of the Alabama basketball team. A lot of you sounding off on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures, 641-1010. We appreciate all your insight and your input and feedback in this conversation. Um, On a lighter note, we appreciate everybody and their mother that apparently uh, has called us out, boys. We were factually incorrect. Mm. It is O blood huh? type that is the most popular well, blood type. Uh, the first we, time we've been factually. So, <laughs> so real quick. So o, just to be factual, Leon's okay? O plus. So O. Yeah. o. By just, the way, Jacko said uh, getting uh, the blood donated regularly will help your blood. Really? Thank you, Jacko. All right. So just to be factual. Police also testified that Brandon Miller's car. Brandon Miller is the star Alabama mm-hmm. player, and the guy we've been arguing about. His car and that of another teammate, Jaden Bradley, were blocking the road where the victim's car was parked, and that Miller's car was struck by two bullets. In other words, they, they were, were blocking. Part of it. They, yes, they were part of it, and they were blocking her ability to leave. Mm-hmm. So it's more Which than her just her boyfriend in the car. It's also more than just fire. oh yeah, here's your gun, man. By the way, there's a bullet in the chamber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more than that. Yeah. So I was wrong about. I I I assumed that it was just like, hey, he left the gun and left the scene. So when, this when, sounds way worse. Yeah. So when so when AL.com, which is the Alabama newspaper group in Alabama, when they asked the Tuscaloosa De- Deputy District Attorney Paula Whitley why why Miller was not charged, she said, "That's not a question I can answer. There's nothing we can charge him with." Hmm. I guess that's just the legalese part of it. That's just trying to figure out exactly what you can. No, uh, and that's what I saw a couple of our uh, nooners on the text line yesterday said, is unless he slipped up in a text message, unless they can find a phone conversation. Right. I mean, if all they have is the hat is in the heat, the heater is in the right. hat, and the and it's in the chamber. Like if, if those, I'm sure there's video outside of these bars, right? You would think yeah. if it's really well, that. By the way, Davis fired eight shots. Eight. Mm-hmm. Well, that wasn't there like a that's, shooting back and forth. Yes, yes. Johnson returning for our near busy campus bar. Yeah, and that's, that's the crazy that's, part is this I mean, was almost a mass murder. Like if this turned into a full out shootout, which is what it was, but if it had gone even crazier, then you go into the defense part of this. So the whole thing is the whole thing. Like I said earlier, it's NATO. It's in the way he just flippantly said, "Wrong place, wrong time." Yeah. 
That's what I. That's what I think that got everybody really more upset over anything. And that the University of Alabama knew a lot of these allegations, and they chose to not disclose them mm-hmm. until the police came forth and said all yeah, these things. That, and Brandon Miller part. has continued to play. If the last you go month. back, uh, and this is the AP, and you, know, you take them with their reporting, January twentieth is when they came out uh, with the initial reporting that said Darius Miles. Uh, was the one that was being accused of providing the gun in the fatal shooting. And so that was the so first let, step let, to all this. Let me read the Nate, the full NATO's quote, okay, to really get the context of this and to hear how bad it was. Quote, can't control everything anybody does outside of practice. Nobody knew that was going to happen. College kids are out. Brandon hasn't been in any type of trouble, nor is he in any type of trouble in this case. Wrong place, wrong time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, wrong place, wrong time insinuates that you're just out and trouble finds you. Right. He obviously went to the trouble. Yeah. And then blocked his car and well, was asked to go to the trouble and went. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then blocked to, his blocked the street with his yeah. car. And just to go back, his Nate Oates, his quotes about Darius Miles, the first one, as far as Who was arrested thing. immediately in the yeah. aftermath and he then said, dismissed from the team. Quote, there was zero off-the-floor character issues when we recruited him. And to be honest with you, even when he was here, we had no real issues with him off the floor. He's a likable kid that everybody liked. The only issues we ever had was just trying to get trying to get motivated to play a little harder in practice, blah, 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 blah. So. Poor real Darius Miles, former NBA player. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Seriously, though. Yeah, those names, because you couldn't help but go, wait a minute, that uh, I, thought, I was like, he's an assistant coach on the team, or like, I I wasn't sure. He's getting shrapnel. He doesn't even know it, man. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, before we send Leon off for the day, uh, I do want to circle back to Chris Trapasso's mock draft on CBS Sports, in which he has the Colts trading up to number one to select Anthony Richardson. We have made contact with Chris Trapasso, friend of Ten Ten XL, and. Uh, Friend J- of Hacker. Yeah, I was going to say, JJ, can you let the, let the Nooners know where he is? He's enjoying the Florida weather at Disney World in February. Oh, I love that. Uh, but he will be back uh, hopefully on the show next week. Yes, okay. so we will make hey, contact man, with him there. live on the air. Maybe, <laughs> Which park are you at? Yeah, maybe, maybe Hacker is going to go say hi to Chris this week uh, since he's down there all week. But, uh, but I do want to play <laughs> some of the sound from his bit uh, that he did on the Zach Gelb show on CBS Sports earlier today. So, JJ, how about you fire up some of that sound with regards to why he has Anthony Richardson going number one overall? I just think at six foot four and 232 pounds, he is going to blow the roof off Lucas Oil Stadium at the Combine. And there's just going to be such a stark difference between Anthony Richardson as a physical and athletic specimen and Bryce Young. Now, certainly Bryce Young is a big-time prospect. He is poised beyond his years. But if you're moving up for a quarterback in the draft, like I have the Colts doing in this mock, I think you have to do it for a quarterback that has big-time arm talent or big-time athleticism, and Anthony Richardson has both of those. Leon, mm. thoughts? Well, I mean, there's it, nothing he's saying that's not correct. I mean, Anthony Richardson is a freak of nature when it comes to at the quarterback play. But that's why I'm – listen, I'm not a really big fan of the combine because I, it, it, it's, it's kind of like the Pro Bowl. It, it's, it's, a, it's a fun fest uh, fiasco where everybody – if you test well – at the combine, of course, you're going to attract a lot of eyes. But the key to it is watch the film. Watch the kid week in and week out yeah. against the best talent, which is the SEC, and you look and see who performed better. I mean, Bryce Young is small. Only, the, only t- the only the bad thing about Bryce Young is that he's small. 
All right. Outside of accuracy and playing in big games, I, w- I, w- I wouldn't want anybody Please, else sir. outside yeah. of him yeah. to give to give him in the fourth quarter with two minutes to go to lead me to the promised land. Right. Than Bryce Young. Agreed. Well, because he's small, he's going to be he's going to be tainted a little bit. Anthony Richardson is six four, two hundred thirty pounds, but and, and at the combine he's going to shine. He's mm-hmm. going to absolutely shine. They're going to put him in drills. He's going to probably run like a four five forty. He's going to lift the weights. He's going to do the drills. He's going to do everything perfect. And people are going to be so engulfed by him and so amazed by his talent that they're going to lose the sense of the fact that in crucial games, he's a lot of overthrows, a lot of underthrows, a lot of not going through his progressions, a lot of interceptions, all that kind of stuff. And if you watch the film, you'll see that he struggled at certain games against certain competition, where if you watch Bryce Young against the same competition, he flourished. So I'm just saying I'm not. There's no knock on um on Anthony Richardson wherever he goes. God bless him. I hope he I hope he stays in the league 10, 15, 20 years right, wherever right, it may be. Right. So it's not a knock on. I'm just saying that what organizationally they 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 do this when the combine comes around when it comes to guys like Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young. Yeah, you you can't help but look at uh, major question marks, and if you ignore them, then that's on you. That's basically what it comes yeah. down to. Huge potential, but uh, the rest. All right, listen. I'm glad you're feeling better. I am too, bro. Okay, you came out of the darkness. I did and saw the light. You yeah. still need more. I did when the, I, I was in. Yeah, I am, bro. <laughs> I, I was in the darkness and I did see the light. I knew it wasn't time to go in the light. <laughs> you were running right. away from. I light. was. When it's we, not yet. Not time yet. We will see you manana. All right. All right. Now we have got a pair of tickets to give away. This is cool. This is the Riverside Craft Beer Festival, uh, and it comes up on Sunday. And you're talking about sampling all the craft, and I love the craft. Uh, so make sure that if you've got a chance to win these tickets, JJ, give them the detail. Yes, a pair of VIP tickets, Joe, to the Craft Beer Festival, uh, Riverside Craft Beer Festival. Excuse me. This is this Sunday, February 26th from 1 to 4 p.m. So if you can make that and you are of age to drink, be car number four right now at 641-1010, and I'll hook you up. Our next guest is not affiliated with the NFL or Jacksonville Jaguars. Discussion of injuries is solely based on opinion. Now, the Bari Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Injury Breakdown. I'm coming in. Just as Gio walks in, I had a respiratory droplet fly. I apologize. Gio is in the house breaking bones. Sunday morning, 7.30. By the way, yesterday, welcome in, Gio. How are you? you? I'm excellent. Yesterday, I'm in the grocery store, and I did not see a lady that was masked up, but I did see a lady with one glove, which I thought was interesting. So she Very Michael Jackson. Yeah, so she was Michael Jackson shopping in the grocery store with the one glove. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Some people do it to grab their produce because you know people sneeze all over it and all that. Yeah, okay, that's a good point. That could be. Maybe I did not. I did not follow to find out, but that that one just caught me off guard. All right, uh, George Barry, uh, he of Barry Orthopedics, a fellowship trained under the renowned Dr. James Andrews. If you have a sports orthopedic question, this is a great time to text. You get free doctor's advice. Uh, you get the text line six four one ten ten, and we'll try and get a question to Geo. We do it uh, breaking bones. Sunday mornings, 7.30 if we miss it here. All right, now we got to ask you this one because this is the one that's kind of uh, interesting. Brock Purdy, who we know had the torn UCL in that game, okay? We're going back to the NFC Championship game. And they went for the second opinion. They found out that it was a tear. You and all of us discussed it's the severity of the tear. It's all that kind of stuff. Bottom line is he met with Dr. Ken Meister. I call him the Geo of the West. 
and going through the original plan of having surgery this past week, but now recommended delaying the surgery because of inflammation in the right elbow. So what are we looking at? You know, that's a good question. When I read that, I wasn't quite sure mm-hmm. what uh, that entails and why they would stop not do the surgery. There's really one big reason why you don't do surgery for for swelling, and that's that usually after a fracture, you get a lot of swelling. And you have to wait till the swelling goes down. We call it a wrinkle test. You have to wait till you can wrinkle the skin because if you open up the skin when it's that swollen, you're not going to be able to close it. And then okay. you have a big problem, right? You have this open wound that's not going to be closed. There's implants. This is a different beast. It's not a fracture. So I'm not quite sure why they decided to postpone the surgery due to swelling. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. It's not quite clear to me, and, and off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. Because so. I thought of the first thing, you know, me being a radio doctor, is that we wait for that swelling to go down before we operate. And so I thought the same thing. But they said surgery in early March yeah, they'll would only, put him. It could be possible that he doesn't have range of motion, right? A lot of times, like ACLs and stuff, you want <clears throat> good range of motion before surgery because mm-hmm. the surgery is going to decrease that range of motion. And if you already have decreased range of motion, it's going to be very difficult to get it back. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what's going on with him. So either way, the upshot of Brock Purdy being able to be ready for the 2023 season is... Well, I think they mentioned six to nine months, mm-hmm. right? And if he's already going to be, what, March? Yeah, they're saying early March, put him on track to start ramping up a throwing program in early June, the hope of him being active by the time of training camp, which I think would be... Yeah, I think September is probably more Right, realistic, realistic than yeah. August or July. I say all that because, lest we forget, not only did Trey Lance suffer that gruesome ankle injury in September and then he had subsequent surgery, he had a second surgery on that same right ankle in December. Here's the quote from the state from the team. The second procedure was performed to remove hardware that was inserted during the initial surgery. Due to the location of the fracture, the required hardware placement was close to a tendon in Lance's ankle. During rehab, their close proximity proved to cause irritation for the ankle. After consulting with multiple experts, the decision was made to have the hardware removed to prevent further issues in the ankle. He is expected to be ready for OTAs. Yeah, when was his first surgery again? September. Yeah, so removal hardware, not super common. Uh, usually p- patients ask all the time, if you put this plate in me, when do I take it out? You don't take it out. only time you take it out is if there's trouble. And there you have one issue here. A tendon was rubbing on the plate. And so that becomes painful. It gets irritated. It hurts. You probably feel a snapping sensation. So at that point, ideally you want to wait one year to, before you take out any hardware because you give it yourself one year to fully heal. But you also don't want a tendon keep rubbing on this thing and eventually it could rupture in theory. So they went there, take it out. Luckily, removal of hardware, the rehab and coming back is not as long as fixing a fracture. Um, you just have to kind of wait. Remember, when you remove screws, there's holes where that bone is. So you can fracture through those holes until those holes fill in. And those four to six weeks, they kind of, it's a little shorter time, not unlike, unlike a fracture. So, All right, so I was sorry to interrupt you, Matt, but I was just going to say, so the upshot is, I mean, Lance will be ready for OTAs. He'll be fine. Yeah, he should Purdy, be fine. not till September. If you're the 49ers, how concerned are you for both of those guys staying healthy this upcoming season? I think the removal hardware, not a big deal. I mean, obviously, it's a surgery. Anything can happen. But as long as everything goes like it should, he should be fine and come and be back with no issues. The UCL is more worrisome. All right. So I'm working on storing Devin Leary, former NC State quarterback, now quarterback of the program at Kentucky. And the program. The program. So he, he had a torn pectoral muscle throwing arm. Throwing arm, okay. Yeah. He had it. He had surgery in middle October. James Andrews did it, okay. 
And he told me, this was last week I was talking to him, he told me he's throwing that. You're talking to Doc? No, 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 not Doc. <laughs> Devin Leary, <laughs> yeah, the quarterback yeah. of the program. Yeah. Come on, Doc. Um, he's told me he's throwing, no problem right now. And I said, well, I said, that's unbelievable. You're, you know, what, not even four months removed. Yeah. A little over four months removed from pectoral surgery, from literally, he said it came off the bone. Yes. So is that rare? That he's throwing right now and that he could even – he could even he said he doesn't think he's going to participate in spring because they want to be really careful, but he could if he had to. So he's four months out. Like any tendon, you're looking at 12 weeks of healing time. So he's past the healing time normally. I don't think it's rare that he's throwing. The question is how – I don't know if he told you how hard – is he throwing it just kind of soft toss? No, it's not soft. He said he's throwing. I mean, it's pr- pretty good. You know, I mean, Normally right now you're still doing soft toss and going slow, but if he's, if he's chucking it, he said he's on a pitch count, basically, yeah. is what he is. Yeah, okay. I mean, I mean, it's pretty good. I mean, things doing well, and it's a great sign that his pec is, is going back to normal. So he should be, you would think, full I, go by September. I think he'd be full go. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, you and I are in a That's couple a problem clubs. with you, Buzz. Yeah. That's a problem for you. Yeah. Well, Devin Leary's a good player, uh, and if he's at the program, that means he's – And he's got what? Liam Cohen back yeah. as his OC. I mean, they got eight wins in their sights, clearly. Uh, and and he can do great things there, I would think. Legendary status is probably where he's headed uh, in Big Bourbon Nation. All right, now, uh, Gio, you and I are in clubs. Well, yeah. you know, this is a totally different club. This is called the ACL Recovery Club, and I had no idea that they even had this, but they have it out there, and you add the Brock Purdy UCL injury, which is not an ACL. It is a significant elbow injury, but they put the numbers together. Torn ACLs documented by team since 2013. This blew my mind. The San Francisco 49ers, Jaguars today was talking about this earlier today, and I had to pull it up because it's perfect for us. Since 2013, the San Francisco 49ers have suffered 28 ACL injuries. It's bad. 28! The Jaguars did great. Yeah, the Jaguars were where? Knock 11, on all the wood you can find. Is that what we got? 11? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Jacksonville? No, actually, it might. yeah, 11. And so less than half of what San Francisco was dealing with. Yeah. And obviously, this goes to the turf talk and everything else. But when you looked at that that mm-hmm. list or chart of did, did anything jump out? Did it shock you, or is it just you know kind of? It's been pretty consistent since 2014, mid 40s to to mid 50s mm-hmm. every single year. So looking at this chart, you can't really tell what's what. The other question is, it tells you the team and how many players have torn their ACLs, but yeah. it doesn't say if they tore it at home or they tore it away. Like how I think a better answer to know if it's the turf or not mm-hmm. is. Which stadiums have the most ACL tears? Well, let me let me just at least add to this because this is from uh, one guy who jumped in on it, Alex Wilson. He said the Giants had six ACL tears last season, most in the league, most of which happened at MetLife. Yeah, that's the but the Jets term. had one, and yeah. they played half their season there. And the Forty Nine ers playing grass. Yeah. So here's the thing: mm-hmm. I, w- I went to that conference, right? The NF- yeah. The yeah. Explain team. explain so the conference. We went to this team doctors conference where if you're college fo- college any college sport position right and or nfl or professional athlete position go neil Elatrosh was there doc andrews was there got to hang out with them for chat with them for a little bit catch up good to see him again yeah it was great good um you know green bay ken anderson green bay packers everyone was there talking about it and they actually discussed this and one of the theories they haven't really figured it out yet but one of the theories is the different cleats on mm. they're not matching the grass because mm. some cleats will give you more grip when you want less grip because the grass itself or the turf whatever you have will give you more grip and it's catching the feet and twisting the the knee and, and popping it. That's so why the non-contact. They're they're trying. That's why non-contact. They're trying to figure it out. There's a lot of studies, you know. They haven't really figured it out yet, but that's a, a growing theory. Is 
we need to make better cleats to match. The, it's not the same shoe for every single stadium. You have to have better cleats for the depending on what kind of turf you have. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. One more for you, Doc, from the NFL ranks. Um, Michael Hardman, who actually pending free agent coming off of a season-ending groin injury. He had groin repair surgery this morning. He apparently suffered the injury back in August. He landed awkwardly after leaping for the ball during red zone drills, limped to the sideline, examined by the staff, and then was carted off. Still played in their first eight games. Had six catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown, and that overtime went over the Titans. Then, a few days after that, He's suddenly dealing with abdominal soreness. Then he was diagnosed with a pelvic injury. He missed the Jaguars-Chiefs game back in Week 10. And then eventually he was placed on injured reserve and then missed the Super Bowl with this groin injury. So my question is abdominal soreness, pelvic injury, groin repair. How do they all relate? correlate? Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is kind of the the core injury world. Uh, Of course, technically your abdomen. But they also count some groin injuries as core because they attach into that area of your pubic symphysis, that bone above the pubic region. That you can feel, you know, things attached there, the, the quote unquote groin muscles. And so that's why you will hear a core, a groin, an abdomen, because it's all in the same realm and they kind of interconnect. And especially for the lay person, like a reporter saying something or a coach, he might int- use them interchangeably just because it's in the same region. But a, a, when someone says a groin tear, I think about an adductor, not necessarily an abdomen, but that's what comes in my head because groin is not a real medical like doing groin surgery that's not a a real medical you know diagnosis but that's what that's why i think there's a confusion between abdomen groin core because it's all kind of same realm all right throw one at you off the text line designed by lifetime enclosures a little detailed but right shoulder surgery in 87 hurt in the military fixed the rotator cuff labrum three years ago had to have it redone the rotator cuff the labrum and the bicep tendon sounds like Stephen a smith uh, 12 years ago, he said his left shoulder went bad, wants to know if it was because he was comp- overcompensating with the injured right shoulder, the fact that both of them gave out. Very physical job, he says. He's a landscaper. Shout out to the landscapers working hard. I'm just curious your opinion. Uh, well, I think there's definitely um, truth to the fact that when one limb is injured, you use the other one, mm-hmm. and you put more stress on the other one. Is that the whole sole reason why he toured the other side? I can't say. Right. If he told me... I couldn't use my right arm, and I pulled something with my left arm, and I felt a huge pop. Yeah, then I could right. tell you, you know, yeah, definitely, probably why. But there is evidence that shows, hey, because you're leaning more on one body part, sure, do all the heavy work, you're definitely more prone to injury. Yeah, but not just deterioration on one side means deterioration on the other side. Not necessarily, right. al- although it can definitely happen. Okay. All right, Doc, uh, good stuff. Breaking Bones, Sunday morning, 7.30. Always check us out. If they miss any and you want to go back and listen, we got that for yeah, you. Yeah, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And don't forget on the gram. Dr. George Barry. Yes, that's exactly right. He's got it all happening. And the new bear procedure when it comes to the ACL. we got to talk about that again next week. We We're also going to circle back in the 2 o'clock hour um, the continued efforts to get under the cap in Tennessee as now kicker Randy Bullock also released. That has cleared more than $28.9 million in cap space for <laughs> first-year GM, former Florida Gator, yeah, yeah. Ron Cathan. Yeah, Ron Carthon. Carthon. Ron Carthon. Wow, I'm sorry. Ron Carthon. Both you guys just butchered that. Ron Carthon. Sorry. I, I was just trying to get Carthon right. I'm sorry. Yes, uh, Ron Carthon. I, I rushed year, in there. First year GM. Listen, text line, you could call yeah. me out. Go yeah. for it. I know you're coming for me. Yeah. Uh, Ron Carthon. <laughs> 
First-year GM in Tennessee has cleared $28.9 million in cap space this morning by releasing Taylor Lewan, Robert Woods, and Randy Bullock. They now have $4.23 million in cap space for 2020. I just thought Bullock was heavy. I had no idea he was heavy on the salary cap as well. We head to the 2 o'clock hour. We'll keep up to date with all that. Get back to the news of the Gators losing some of their coaching staff to the NFL. is XL Primetime, protected by Preferred Roofing on 1010XL. We crank out the 2 o'clock hour. It is XL Primetime. Joe C., MLB, me, O'Brien, Matty Hayes. You can check out his stuff at SaturdayDownSouth.com. JJ LaSalva, and we've got you until the 3 o'clock hour. Hits the French show. will be popping up then. Uh, we were talking with the idea of this offseason being as active as as we've seen in a long time, particularly when it comes to the quarterback carousel in the National Football League, and it does seem endless. And so we'll definitely get back to that. And then we got to bring up the news in Gainesville. We say thanks to the Golf Club of Southampton. You can find them any day of the week, ready for you, greeting you with a smile and face, get you on the golf course, make sure that you have a good time. 287 play. Don't forget they've got music every Friday night on the patio under the stars with Chef Gary cranking out a new menu item every single Friday. So music, good food, good people. Check it all out at the Golf Club of Southampton. Now, we were talking about Taylor Lewan, uh, among others. Randy Bullock, a number of guys being axed by the Tennessee Titans because they are right there up against the cap trying to renew. A few other teams are going through the exact same thing. You had guys like Javon Hargrove and, and many others being told that their contracts were being voided up in Philadelphia, James Bradbury being one of them as well. And so a lot of teams are going to be doing this. Jacksonville needs to get to a point to where they can get everything done under the cap and then start maybe keeping some guys. That's yet to be determined, but there's at least enough chatter out there that says these things are being worked out right now. Yeah, and from the conversations that I had yesterday, I mean – I said it to someone yesterday. I'm like, if Trent Baalke can somehow negotiate an extension with Evan Ingram, an extension with Jawan Taylor, and somehow maneuver the salary cap and restructure this, restructure that, before the league year opens, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. give him executive of the year right now. If he can I, do I it. don't foresee a world where you get those two done. And for what it's worth, I also was told yesterday, it does seem like a deal with Arden Key is also in the works, um, somewhere in the two to three year range. Again, I don't see financially how you can do that by just simply cutting Shaq Griffin. Mm-hmm. I think you would have to look into releasing Roy Robertson-Harris or restructuring at the very least. You may have to release Jamal Agnew. What does that do for you? Um, but I also think, you know, what's so fascinating about this is the philosophical question that a lot of the money maneuvering will come back to, which is you want to keep your own. You don't want to be in this, we're just free agent, slapping a Band-Aid, we want to develop players. To which, that's where Matt's point about Cam Robinson is so fascinating because I was told yesterday, you know, Trent Baalke feels like, yes, he would love to keep Jawan Taylor, and that is the first goal. And Jawan Mm -hmm. Taylor, by Mm -hmm. all accounts from everyone I spoke with yesterday, which was multiple people, you know, it seems like he wants to be in Jacksonville. He wants to be close to home. Yep, yep. But... As far as them placing, if you can't get a deal done by March 7th, placing that $18 million franchise tag on him, is that financially sound? That's where I'm hearing that Trent Baalke in that situation would be okay with drafting a tackle and developing that kid 
into potentially a starter if you are then to say goodbye to Cam Robinson. Next year, you move Walker Little to the left. You move just, from there. Yeah, I just look at the finances, and I just think there's if he were to do all the things you're suggesting and do it before the league year opens and just be clean and green, and, and it's going to really limit him in the ability to tag anybody and do anything. But, you know, getting Ingram done uh, is paramount, and then you make your decision. Look, there's a there's there's one expensive tackle that's on the books right now. If you can move him, then you you definitely open up your options. You renew that position with a much younger player, and then you pay the guy on the other side. I don't know whether that's going to fall that way. I don't either, but it's I mean it's it'd be a great move. Yeah, it would, and it, it, this is this is kind of like that. It's it's semi unrealistic, but it's also possible that you could move him that you could get someone else to take him based on what you had said earlier, what we have all agreed upon. Left tackle is one of the more important positions in the National Football League. You don't want to get your quarterback knocked down. That's why he's there, your, your blindside protector. But cost and injury uh, for Cam Robinson is going to be tough. Well, and, and also, to be fair, they gave him the contract. Mm-hmm. Less than, I guess it would be a year ago now, probably less than a year ago, actually. They gave Cam the deal. Yeah. So they could have easily just said right then, we're just going to go with Walker Little. Yeah, we're going to we're going to go. And they the chose not year to. Guy. They I, chose I, not to. Right. I felt like they were not going to tag him. We're going back two off seasons ago, and I because just, had you just tagged him, yeah, you just let him walk after right. This year. And I just I, and that's when you can go back and you talk about wherever you thought they would go with the draft, Evan Neal, and all that kind of discussions right. that we had. But I just didn't see it. And then lo and behold, they tag him, and then lo and behold, they sign the deal. And that's why I wonder how much of it is Trent Baalke sticking to this philosophy of we want to reward our own guys, we mm-hmm. want to keep our guys, versus Cam's an Alabama guy, and for whatever the reason, Baalke has a crush on him. Well, the other thing that I liked about when they did do it is Doug Peterson getting a little bit, I think, of what he wanted. We are going to have a good offensive line. We need experience. We don't need a lot of inexperience. If we're talking about we're going to roll the ball out at the beginning of a year, where can inexperience uh, coexist uh, on the football team? Well, running back, ETN, you know, we can, we can go with a lesser experienced guy. We can pick a few other spots where we're just going to take a, a pass rusher, lesser, lesser experienced guy. But let's have some experienced offensive line and protect our quarterback. Because Trevor was coming into what you might say the beginning of his career uh, after that, you know, uneventful first year. Protect that guy with experienced players. And that's what he did. Now maybe Walker Little's a little more experienced where they trust him and they don't fear that that guy's going to give up the big play and get the quarterback killed. No, no, no. I I understand completely what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I guess my thought is, and I know you want to – continue to give deals to guys you draft and you want to grow it and the locker room feels better when you give deals to guys you draft. But I think it was fiscally prudent to just put the tag on him mm-hmm. because then you just have it for one year. Right. And then if you're so with the guy you it. drafted right. in, in the second round to be your left tackle, if he right. if he comes along, yeah. then he just let him go. It just so happened they did it twice, though. They tagged him two years running. I know. And then they got the deal done. And I think they felt like at that point that Walker was going to battle Juwan and, right. and, and beat him out on that side. And I think that's why they made that a priority because you had an experienced Juwan that's going to battle to keep his job. No, I get that, but you still could have. the other guy was the experienced guy protecting Trevor. On the, I get on that, the... but if you if you tag him, you can still do that with Walker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could Juwan. have. Yeah. And, and, yeah, hindsight's everything. I just think, I think at that point, 
Before I guess they... flexibility is my whole thing. Yeah. It, it gave them a lot more flexibility had they done it that way. And who the heck knows if Trent wasn't already in love with Trayvon Walker at that point when he right. decided to give the contract. We, we don't yeah. know. Right, exactly. I mean, there were so many reports last year of, like, was Doug interested in an offensive tackle yeah. versus the defensive line, which obviously yeah. Trent Baalke has a history of selecting first-round picks from the defensive front. Um, what's interesting, too, about all this is – the fact that Walker Little, yes, I know we never saw it in a game because Cam Robinson then suffered the season-ending injury. Walker Little was working at left guard mm-hmm. when Ben Barch went down during practice. They never had to bring it out because Tyler Shatley was serviceable mm-hmm. and they wanted to keep Walker as the swing tackle. And then, you know, if things had gone detrimentally wrong, mm-hmm. maybe we would have seen him at that left guard spot. If you're somehow to bring Jawan back and you're running it back – Again, I've said this multiple times. The concern for the Jags is as much as they anticipate both Camp Robinson and Ben Barge coming back fully healthy, you got your left side of the line coming back from injury. What do you do with Walker Little then if you got Jawan Taylor on the right, Cam Robinson on the left? Even mm. if you're going to say goodbye to Cam next year because the cap number is so massive. Yeah. You play your guy. Do you, you play get Walker Little at left guard? And I, I and make Ben March the Shatley role. I'm always of the thinking that. I don't believe they're all cross-trained to play every position perfectly or, or, or to a high level. But there's that old adage, play the best five guys. And so that would mean you get him in there and you get him and you – how hard can it be if he's already thrived uh, at left tackle? Can he move inside? Uh, I've, I've always heard it described that uh, it, it's a it's a major fist fight inside. There are a lot of guys that get yeah, on you, you really fast. I mean, fast. you could be trained at that. And, and but Big Bo would not... always describe it as that. Yeah. Guys get on you fast. Plus, you're, you're, the, the idea of getting injured is much greater mm-hmm. in the middle three than it is in the two outside. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, I, I don't know that I would do that. I don't – You've got a guy that can be a left tackle and can be a pretty good left tackle. I don't know that I would move him inside like that for a year. That's, that's, I think you're, you're asking for problems there is what you're doing. All right, we're going to segue back into the Florida Gators, the coaching hires, the coaching departures. I do want to note this real quick on the uh, NFL side of that argument. The Arizona Cardinals are also hiring Northwestern cornerbacks coach Ryan Smith for the same job. So did, did Jonathan Gannon. Also a former Gator. Jonathan yeah. Gannon mm-hmm. is going full I'm bringing all the college guys. Did Cliff Kingsbury leave like a blueprint for for Gannon to to start off there? Because he came from the college ranks. And <laughs> what's going on? I am a little surprised that he's getting that many guys. And by the way, um, the Gators tight ends coach, William Piegler, is not taking that position with the Cardinals. That is the one place that he did hire a veteran, uh, Ben Steele, 15 years of coaching experience, nine in the NFL, mm-hmm. and he will be the tight ends coach. So not so sure. Piegler's doing – yeah, I'm not sure what Piegler's okay. job will be. Offensive right. assistant. Yeah, maybe. maybe. To, to the regional manager. Yeah, so we'll get into that news. If you haven't heard it, you just want to catch up on it, we will do that coming up. Golf Club of Southampton bringing today's show. This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. 17 minutes past the 2 o'clock hour. Going to say hello to Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports coming up at 2.30. Before we circle on back to Florida Gators, I do want to touch, uh, or rather give a shout-out and kudos to the Providence Lady Stallions, who unfortunately fell in the Class 3A Final Four this morning, 58-33 to Miami Country Day. Good run, though. Great run. Great run. And, of course, the boys' team, 26-2, and they Mm -hmm. will be the stars of 
this week's uh, Googan Hoops episode on Friday, so you're going to want to check that out. And our boy Jay Barn is down in Lakeland for the third Final Four game of the day, St. John's Country Day, of course, featuring Talia Scott, the McDonald's All-American. They currently trail Faith Christian 22-13. to Talia with 11 of those 13 points. All right. Well, hopefully they'll be able to get back in that one. All right. Uh, let's do a little 10-10 take right now on this uh, Gator piece of news. Now, Josie's 10-10 take. Slow smoked and served up by Sonny's Barbecue, local pit master since 68. Takeout, it's always available. That way you can order up. You can pick it up. You can head on home. They'll make sure it's hot, prepared, fresh for you, or you can dine in or delivery. Make sure you check out Sonny's all over the First Coast. So, Billy Napier, it's safe to say it has been a struggle since he arrived in Gainesville to figure out how to win games, to figure out how to get the most out of his quarterback. On and on and on, the list goes. Well, he's missed out on a few opportunities when it comes to the transfer portal, and we can go down that road. But now... In the space of about 24 hours, he's lost a couple of coaches. We just mentioned Piegler on the offensive side. He was his tight ends coach. And then now his co-defensive coordinator, Patrick Toney, leaving as well for the Arizona Cardinals. And so Billy Napier, he's seeing two guys that are off to the NFL. So you can't necessarily say, hey, they're jumping ship. This thing is not good. No, they're going to what sounds like a good opportunity in the National Football League to up their resume. But he needs to make sure that he gets this next hire right, particularly on the defensive side. Hiring newly hired linebackers coach for the University of Alabama, plucks him out of Tuscaloosa, brings him to Gainesville. Austin Armstrong will now be the defensive coordinator for the Florida Gators. Billy needed to make a good hire. Gator fans are going to find out soon enough whether it's a good hire or not because they better be ready for that SEC load of offense. That is the 10-10 take. So Austin Armstrong doesn't jump off the page. It's not a recognizable name, but he was the D coordinator at Southern Miss, Maddie, and they called him the Nasty Bunch. JJ, do you have it right now? Can you go ahead and give it to us? Because this is what I'll be saying. Oh, that's nasty. Yes, thank you very much. The Honey Badger knows. And so once they start kicking butt on that side of the ball with one Austin Armstrong drawing up the defense, I'll be fired up. You've got all these little bits now you're doing. Yeah. yeah. That's what you've been reduced to now. You're literally a year into this guy's tenure, all and you've been reduced to bits. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's it. That's all I've got. I don't know whether Billy Napier knows what he's doing on the offensive side, and now we're going to find out whether he knows what he's doing hiring on the defensive side. I also don't know. I mean, quite frankly, Patrick Tony's probably made, made more at Florida. Making, made more at Florida than he's going to be making with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a position coach with the Cardinals. What could he be making? Yeah. 600000 500000 yeah. That's where I wonder, is this just a nice way of saying to your good buddy, hey, I'm out. Instead of firing me, I'm just going to leave. He was co-DC, so I don't know whether they – Well, you know, he was the DC. He was calling plays. He was well, but, yeah, but still, uh, look, he hired a bunch of guys, so I don't no, know. I know. Well, he was making, I think, a million a year there. Yeah. So he was a mill? Yeah, he was right around it. I know yeah. that. Our yeah. question of the day brought to you by Beaver Toyota, now up on 1010XL's Twitter page. As a Gator fan, what are you thinking about Austin Armstrong, Billy Napier's newest hire as defensive coordinator? We need some more replies, so you nooners who are on the Twitter machine – Get on over and reply. This one's courtesy of Victor. Never heard of him. I had never heard of Billy Napier. Gator D has been on the decline for three years at this point. What do we have to lose? And if you think about it, look at their rankings where they've fallen offensively and defensively. It's not a pretty picture at all. And offensively, it was falling under the McIlwain years. And then Mullen brought him back up. And then we all know that it just kind of was a, 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 a ditch at effort in year four of Mullen. But now they need to get it back offensively. 
they were as pedestrian as they come mm-hmm. as the season unfolded. And defensively, they definitely were giving up you know, more than their fair share, fair share of. He was making a million a year, floor. Yeah, Mill? Yeah. He's not making a million coaching linebackers. For yeah, well, I wouldn't think so. I have, I have no idea. But you know, if one guy's design is to, I'm not even trying to even so that was, that was a, My point is it's yeah. one of two things. It's either Billy saying, you got to go. Right. Or it's Patrick Tony saying, I'm getting out of Dodge. Right. So, it, it, And you could plausibly put together an argument for both. For either side, and, right. And yeah. so you might give, if it turns out where Austin Armstrong is a good hire, you give Billy Napier credit for, for basically cutting ties with a guy sooner than later. It's like what we talked about with Mario down in South Florida. He basically said uh, either, you know, you guys go ahead and start looking for jobs because I'm going to run you out of here, or he knew that he needed to make a change. But I will say this. This is the difference between Mario and Billy Napier. Billy Napier coached with Patrick Tony for three years at Louisiana. Mm-hmm. So he's not giving up on him after one year. You know what I mean? You wouldn't think. No. I, I, w- I would think he's – look, the, bless you. The entire staff is part of the process. Mm-hmm. So you're not bailing on any of these guys. If you truly believe in them, you're not bailing on them. Right. So my guess is it's probably the latter where Patrick Tony said, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. I got to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he may be reading the tea leaves and doesn't like what he's seeing just as far as the way things are unfolding. It is becoming harder and harder to win in Gainesville. I think we have discovered that. Uh, the budget, or excuse me, the recruiting budget numbers that were put out there, uh, Georgia's spending the most. Georgia's yeah, but Florida's out. right there. Yeah, Florida's, Literally right yeah, there. Florida's up there for sure, but Georgia's spending a ton. Tennessee's spending a ton. Uh, all the other ones that you might expect would be up there are spending. Look, they gave him everything he wanted. Yeah. Everything. Mm-hmm. They, he has a support staff that rivals no one. Mm-hmm. Right now, in the rest of yeah, college football, got, uh, and what are the they've, returns? They've, they've given him everything. Now, again, it's only one year. Right. I, I got to keep stresses. It's only one year. But all I'm saying is, each decision that's made, you start to say, "All right, let's see what this one happens. Let's see if mm-hmm. this one plays out. Let's see mm-hmm. if this one plays out." And there's two big decisions that he's made in the off season: yeah. the quarterback and the DC. And you're going to see how they play out. And yep. it's believe me, it's not an easy schedule they got next year. It's a very difficult lift that schedule. So it, it's. Compared to Georgia. Again, and again, compared to George right? And again, he's not going to get run. They're not going to run him. They're not going to pay him $30 million to leave. Mm-hmm. But this, it's like I said earlier, it's going to be where it will be a daily, weekly, monthly, whatever you want to say, referendum, especially during the season. It will literally be a weekly referendum on him. Yeah. Week after week after yeah, week. They'll get on him hard if it doesn't if it doesn't come out the way we want. Ryan Wilson coming up. Yep. I'm excited to ask him not only about uh, his colleague, Chris Trapasso, or apparently as a what do Dan and Jeff call uh, it, it for was, the Nooners? It was hilarious. Uh, Chris, uh, so he, they, they have some sort of name for him. But we'll Damas. Be, yeah, yeah. Oh. Damaso. Damaso. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Dan and Jeff. Um, so excited to ask Ryan Wilson about that possibility. I'm also, I'm not going to lie, boys, as I'm starting to get into draft prep and a lot of our content we're going to be churning out here at 1010, a little worried about edge rusher for mm-hmm. the Jags. Will they be able to add via the draft to that position? We'll ask Ryan that and a whole lot more coming up next on XL Primetime. This is XL Primetime, protected by Preferred Roofing on 1010XL. <laughs> kind of feels that way, you know, unwrapping presents. Jaguar fans, the rest of the National Football League waiting to unwrap their newest present, the draft. We'll tell you that coming up in just a little bit of it, and I kind of feel like it's Christmas season for this man right here. No. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah.
Brian Wilson, one of the first guys that we went to and, and formed that level of trust because the man knows what he's talking right. about when it comes to the draft. He of CBS Sports, and he joins us now. Ryan, welcome in. How are you, bud? Uh, I wouldn't call it Christmas. I feel more like the guy who uh, spent two straight days in the, in the casino and, and yeah. can't doesn't want to see the sun, and he's burned out. I'm trying to get through all these guys before we get to the combine. I'm almost there down the home stretch, but uh, it's a, it's a grind in a good way. Yeah, yeah. I, there is. I give you a ton of credit because you, <laughs> if you put it out there, everyone's going to either uh, love it or come after you over it, and and so you got to know your stuff. So when we take a look at, at before we like drill down on a couple big stories, what do you think of the overall talent of what you are seeing right now in this year's draft? This is a good class, and you know, typically the class starts with the quarterbacks. That's what fans want to talk about, especially fans of teams that need quarterbacks. Uh, and there are some guys at the top. This class is better than last year's class on paper at the quarterback position. Only Kenny Pickett went a year ago, and that was 20th overall. And then the, the next guy went off the board in, in round three. This year, we're going to have four guys go probably. You know, you can talk yourself into the top ten, and this isn't a situation where, like last year, you're saying, okay, maybe Matt Corral, maybe Malik Willis, maybe those guys go in the first round, maybe Des Ritter, and you're having to, to sort of uh, twist yourself into a, a pretzel to, to, to convince yourself of that. That's not the case this year. Now, there's some some things to sort out. Bryce Young's height, Anthony Richardson's uh, inexperience, Will Levis's not great season last year. But you talk to NFL teams, and they can tell you reasons why you should be excited about each of those guys uh, for different reasons. Uh, beyond that, if you're looking for an edge rusher, you're in the right draft. If you're looking for an offensive lineman, you're in the right draft. If you're looking for a defensive back or a tight end, you're in the right draft. And the only real light spots, if you will, defensive tackle is not as deep as it has been in recent years. And, and sort of odd, but wide receiver. And, you know, the, the wide receiver position has transformed the last five or six years. The high school offenses have gotten better. The trickle down or trickled up, if you want, to the college. And then, of course, we've seen that in recent years in the NFL draft class. This year, you might see three guys, maybe four going round one. Um, but but the bulk of the of the talent in, in terms of guys that can help football teams um, are, are probably going to be late day two and into day three, more role position, uh, role type players, and, and fewer Jamar Chases uh, of the world's hitting home runs or Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave's. So, Ryan, let's stay with the quarterbacks before we dive into positions of need for the Jaguars. Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, we laugh about it. We, we know that there is merit to saying it, but your, your, your colleague Chris Chapasso suggesting this morning that the Colts should be trading up to one and selecting Anthony Richardson. What is your read on AR right now? How does he compare? Which quarterback would you take if you had the number one overall pick and you were in need of a quarterback? I'm laughing because I've I've gotten more texts uh, from people in and out of the league about Trapasso's mock draft than I've gotten texts about virtually anything. Uh, listen, it, it's it's okay to be different, I suppose, yep. if you want to trade up number one and take Anthony Richardson there. Uh, the the benefit that Trapasso has that Chris Ballard doesn't uh, is that if the Colts win one game next year, Chris Ballard's getting fired. Chris Trapasso probably isn't. So that, that you know that that's yep. the reality of being a draft analyst, and not just Chris, but me as well. Um, here's the thing, like, I love Anthony Richardson and you guys know this, um, when he is good, he's better than anyone on the field. The issue of course, is that he, he's, he's peaks ballots and that's just because he hasn't played a lot of football. Selfishly, I wanted him to go back to school and get a little bit more experience because coming into 2022, he'd only attempted something like 68 passes and there are games where you watch him and you go, Oh boy, this is, this is rough sledding. And, and you want to see him work his way out of it. And sometimes he does. And sometimes he doesn't. So if you take him number one, whether you're the Colts or someone else, you cannot play him right away. 
here's the issue. When you take a quarterback number one, he has to play right away because right. you might be on a five-year plan with, with Anthony Richardson. The GM and the head coach are on a, on a one, one-and-a-half-year plan. If things go sideways, you might get Nathaniel Hackett business and not make it through year one. So that's the reality. Now, in, in term, my QB1 is Bryce Young. Bryce Young is 5'10". If he weighs 185, I will not be surprised. Now, he might chug a couple gallons of water before he gets on the scale, but he played at about 185 last year, according to the folks that I've spoken with, around that program and around the league. And I don't care. Like, I do not care. He is that good. And he is so historically such an anomaly that two quarterbacks have been 5'11 or, or less and 190 or less. Seneca Wallace and Joe Hamilton. One was a fourth rounder, one was a seventh rounder, neither was Bryce Young. So you have to talk yourself as a GM and sell your ownership on a quarterback who was historically different than everyone else physically. But think about this. I mean, the plays he was able to make for Alabama, and he did it without the wide receivers that Tua or Mac Jones had in terms of those guys being first-round talents. He has some guys that can play, but no one is a first-rounder on that team outside. And he routinely dragged that team up and down the field and got them into the end zone. So if you're the Texans at number two, or if you're the Colts that want to trade up from number four to number one, Bryce Young would be my guy, but it's a lot easier for me to say that because, again, I have nothing on the line in terms of my job. But I had a GM tell me straight up in the fall, he said, how many quarterbacks look like Bryce Young in the NFL? And the answer is zero. And how many look like Will Levis? And the answer is a, a lot of successful ones. And that's the starting point of the conversation for these evaluators. Some are young, some are old school, but who come from it from the perspective of we can't get this wrong because this is the most important position on the field. So, Ryan, and just real quick before I ask you the question, these are, those are also the same NFL guys, because I talk to these guys too, that say a six foot six and higher quarterback's never been a good player in the league. And clearly, you see with the guy here in Jacksonville, the six six guy's going to be a rare type dude. So, I want to go back to your statement, okay, of the quarterbacks, because I think you nailed it. You nailed it completely. Now, if the last three, four, five years in the NFL, if you draft a quarterback in the first five, seven, nine, even 10, 11, 12 picks, he's playing right away. The thought of Anthony Richardson playing an NFL game right now is just utterly mind-boggling to me. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, and people don't like the Malik Willis comparison, and I get that. They're different body types, no doubt about it, and I think Anthony Richardson is a better football player. But Malik went in the third round, and the thinking was, okay, let's let him sit behind Ryan Tannehill, and if we, we hit a home run on this, great. If not, that's okay, third-round pick. He had to play because of injury. And it looked like a lot of people thought it might look in that he struggled. That doesn't mean he's a terrible football player and won't be a good NFL player going forward. But it was clear that he probably shouldn't have played as a rookie um, because of the offense he came from, because of the lack of experience and so on and so forth. And those are similar conversations you're having with Anthony Richardson. Now, listen, if he goes to the 49ers, uh, yeah, play him right away because clearly Kyle Shanahan can fix any quarterback uh, no matter what. But if he goes to the Texans, if he goes to the Panthers, if he goes to the Colts, uh, why would you play him? Why would you do that to him? Why would you do it to your organization? Because if you can be patient, and that's so incredibly hard to do in today's NFL, and, and wait a year, wait a year and a half, it could be such a high payoff on the back end that it will make the, the bumps to get to that point worth it because he can be truly special, and it's just a matter of getting that consistency out of him. He's, by all accounts, a good young man off the field, so you don't have to worry about that stuff. It's just a matter of getting him where you want him to be on the field and that comes with right. reps, and that comes with working with, with obviously, NFL coaching staff. All right, we got a couple more for Ryan Wilson. He has his two-round mock today, CBSSports.com. You can check it out. Let's go Jaguars here. Luke Musgrave, uh, a tight end, makes a lot of sense for this team, especially given what's going on with Evan Ingram, whether they can get him re-signed or not. Uh, throw us a thought at uh, why you mocked him there. 
Yeah, so Evan Ingram obviously would be great to get him back, assuming he he doesn't return for whatever reason. Um, Luke Musgrave is an interesting guy. He didn't play; he, he got hurt, so he didn't play the last half of the season for Oregon State, and he's not going to block anyone. But Evan Ingram wasn't known for blocking, and he did a lot of damage down the field, and, and that's what Musgrave gives you. Is he the athlete of Ingram? No, but he's a pretty good athlete, and I think he's six six. I think that's what he he, he came in at mm-hmm. at the uh, Senior Bowl. I'll double check. But um, here's the thing: like I like Michael Mayer. I like Dalton Kincaid. I like Darnell Washington. All guys that are going to be in the top 50 conversation. Mayer's probably, he is my tight end one. And he probably goes off the board first. But some teams like Musgrave a little better, which I which I found surprising. Um, he's a big catch radius guy. He moves well. He, he was one of the fastest offensive players uh, at the Senior Bowl in terms of the on-field tracker uh, behind a couple of wide receivers. But but a long strider, eats up cushion, wins with his body. So a lot of those things that, that you like. And what better present, if you will, gift for your your young quarterback and Trevor Lawrence and someone in the middle of the field that's incredibly reliable time in and time out. And uh, we, we know about the weapons. Calvin Ridley's going to be there, so that'll be a fun development to watch coming uh, next season. But if you have a middle-of-the-field weapon to go with uh, another sort of backfield weapon in, in ATN as a receiver, with Doug Peterson down the plays, there's a lot of reasons for optimism. And then in the second round, Ryan, you have the Jaguars selecting Illinois corner, or should I say safety, Jartavius Martin. I'm curious. Obviously, I think that that's addressing the nickel position or lack thereof in Jacksonville over the past uh, few seasons or fortifying the secondary, if you may. Walk me through because the corner class, at least in my estimation, is pretty deep, and the Jaguars obviously have a need at that third corner spot. But then when you look at edge rusher, is that position maybe not as deep in this class? And so maybe do you wait to go to the corner well until later on in the draft? No, that's a good point. And it's funny, you called Jartavis corner, then it's safety. He plays in the slot. He can sort of do both. So that versatility is what you like about him. And he had a great season for, for Illinois. And they have some dudes in that defense that they get drafted. It starts with Devon Witherspoon, who will probably be a first-round pick. Uh, but Jartavis did a lot of good things. And he can play outside, too, if you need him. Uh, good in the run. He, he can run with, with wide receivers down the seam, can man up against tight ends and, and bigger players there. So that versatility <clears throat> excuse me, is something that uh, is certainly intriguing for NFL teams. But I think you're right. I, I think the edge rush class is relatively deep, but not as deep as the cornerbacks. You can go into day three and get a cornerback that can help you in, in some capacity as a rookie. And you can do the same in, in, with the edge rush class. But, you know, as you guys know, some guys that feel like home runs – on the first day of the draft, end up being something less than that on the first day of training camp. So mm-hmm. there are guys in the in the middle of the second round that that could be there that could certainly be helpful. Andre Carter's a guy. He he played. He's I think he's six six, but he was only about two thirty and change. But played at Army. He has a frame to add weight. He's only going to get better. Uh, but he's a he's a high upside guy who hasn't quite reached his potential, but just long. And look, we know that the Jaguars like Josh Allen is, is not, he didn't show up at two thirty. He showed up closer to two sixty. So if that's the player you're looking for. Isaiah Foskey, he might be there. There's been some first-round buzz about him, but I know some teams are concerned uh, about his his awareness as an edge rusher. He's converted tight end, so he's still growing into his role. Carl Brooks is a guy who I absolutely love. Uh, out of Bowling Green, 290. He was at the Senior Bowl. He, he plays outside. He can reduce inside to a three technique, and he offers a lot of versatility in that regard. And Keon White's another young man, similarly, not quite that big, but certainly uh, closer to Josh Allen and, in the size and weight out of Georgia Tech who can dominate off the edge as well. And he may end up going higher than, than when the Jaguars find themselves on the clock again in round two. Man, great stuff, dude. We appreciated his first two-round mock, 63 picks. You can go to CBSSports.com. Check him out at 
Ryan Wilson, CBS, and he's also got the pod with the first pick uh, right alongside Rick Spielman. Hopefully we'll visit uh, a couple more times as we get close to the draft. Totally appreciate your time, bud. Absolutely, guys. All right, Ryan, you, Ryan. Wilson, out Carl, the door. Carl Brooks, by the way, this mm-hmm. past year, 10 sacks, 12 quarterback hits, 13 tackles for loss. And that's a man. That is, I know it's Bowling Green, but yeah. that sounds mighty nice. Yeah, yeah, that's what you want, productivity. All right, uh, we are going to get productive. J.J. Watt started out in yeah. Central Michigan. So. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. You, that's what you have to look at, yeah. and that's what I like hearing from what he got out of that because there's some prospects that certainly could turn the corner big time for this football team. Hey, remember this? I don't believe what I just saw. That is a disgusting act by Randy Moss. You believe in miracles? Yes! Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Time now for a Modelo moment. Make your next moment with a Modelo. Tablet up ahead to Schneider. Shot, shot, goes in on Schneider. Golikov, number 23, leaving it to Makarov. He's trying to get it back to Golikov, then gets it back and scores. Trediak for Johnson is there and scores with one second to play. Maltev, Maltev on a breakaway. Maltev gets it by Craig to give the Soviets the lead. 13 seconds left in the penalty. He jumps again, followed by Johnson, they score! Craig, he's making too many good saves. Arruzioni scores! by Arruzioni! Uh, that was a great Modelo moment. It was just a few short weeks ago that that happened with the Jaguars coming back from 27 points down against the Los Angeles Chargers. I know it sounded like you believe in miracles? something that happened okay. in 1980 on the ice, but no, ladies and gentlemen, that was Al Michaels just a few short weeks ago. With that, let's say hello to the franchise show. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet, keeping 1010XL on track with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. We're never letting Al Michaels off. No, the we're going to crush him. Forever. That was honestly, that was a great call. 1980, it was the semifinals. They won. Do you believe in miracles? One of the vintage calls of all time. And speaking of vintage, let's say hello to the embedded and shredded Hayes Carline on the campus of Jacksonville University. Uh, as uh, we get ready for the Francis show, you heard that call, right, Hayes? You heard the highlight. To me, that's the call. I yeah. mean, that, that's, the, that's the king of all calls. Uh, and, and that's why Al Michaels can botch as many NFL games as he wants, <laughs> and he's still an icon in my opinion. I, I, listen, there's, it's so funny what has happened, though, Hayes, since that game against the Chargers when he said, there's a flag. And, and, yeah. and since then, we have played so many Modelo moments that have included his great calls, and it just kind of just <laughs> makes me crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was it was something else, but uh, but yeah, what a what a game, what a call, and uh, yeah, that's a that's a great uh, great moment to remember for sure, and we're uh, we're certainly looking forward to to being out here today at JU. We're courtside, yeah. Uh, so this is unprecedented. We're going to be courtside. The game starts at five against Bellarmine, and uh, so we're certainly looking forward to it. And it is absolutely a must win for JU. They are tied for tenth. And the A-Sun with Gulf Coast, only 10 teams of the 14 make the conference tournament next week. So this is absolutely a must-win game. The, 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 this is probably, really, to be honest, around the nation, this is probably the start of elimination play, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if, if Jay loses this game, it gets uh, awfully dicey. They would play Eastern Kentucky on Friday at home 
but that's one of the top three teams in the league. So, uh, JU's got to get this one today. We're certainly looking forward to being here. And, again, tip off at 5. So uh, the last hour of the Frangie show, the game will actually be going on. So can't wait for that. Finns are a four-and-a-half-point favorite, according to my bookie. And, of mm-hmm. course, yeah. you can catch And I the... like JU by five. Oh, you like them by five. I love that. I like Hayes. them by Take five today. And, and I while... like 67 to 62 <laughs> Dolphins. Do you know, Hayes, off the top of your head, and I can look this up and then we can let our listeners know, um, will we have the call of the game on the AM or you guys in the background? Is that the call of the game? I know it will also be broadcast on television nationally on ESPNU. Those are decisions that are made above my pay grade, Mia. So I, uh, I will certainly find that out, and we will make an announcement uh, as we get things kicked off here. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. But I, I can t- speak for, for the Frangie show. We will be here as the game is going on. Uh, so I'm sure, you know, we've got a, we've got a, we've got a, a pretty good guy here in terms of play-by-play. So I'm I was sure going to say, if need be, right, yeah. right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah hopefully we'll, like, uh, uh, Jay, will, Jay will hit some threes. We'll hear some how good is that, and uh, everybody will be happy. does <laughs> look like that game will be on 10-10 a.m. while the Frangie show over on the FM. And then, uh, dare I say, after the conclusion of that one, Hayes, it's going to flip on over to Florida and Kentucky. Yep. At 7 p.m. on the 10 10 Yeah, that should be entertaining. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm so entertained by that game, I, I might instead watch the Florida Kentucky football game from this past season. Uh, that's nice. beautiful. All right, man. We will be listening uh, and smiling. All right. Thank you, guys. Take care. Ace Carline, Frank Frangie, Lauren Brooks. Uh, they will have it there. Give me here as they hold it down and uh, get ready for a little JU action. Oh, and Bellerman always gets me that name. Yeah. Bellerman. It is kind of funny. Yeah. It sounds like you like should stripes. be. Like stripes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we are out. We say thanks to the Golf Club of Southampton. A beautiful golf course any day you take it on. Championship tee, step back, step forward, whatever you want. Make sure you give them a try when you want to tee it up. 287 play for the Golf Club of Southampton. Joe C., Mia O'Brien, Maddie Hayes, Big Surs, and JJ.